Well, hello, it is Tuesday, April 21st, 421. That means I'm currently recording this on 42020. <laughs> I hope you all enjoyed your vitamins. If you're into that sort of thing, I hope you're all safe. I hope you're all healthy. And I hope we're powering through. Got a damn good one for you. Let's get started. I've said this on plenty of occasion. Growing up in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, not the biggest NBA town, okay? Don't have a basketball team, but we have a hockey team. I love the Pittsburgh Penguins. Really, the only team I was ever truly a fan of uh, was the the Pittsburgh Penguins. Obviously, the family lived and died with the Pittsburgh Steelers and everything of that nature. But the Pittsburgh Penguins were the team that really rallied my childhood, you know, Mario and them. So I didn't get into the NBA. Then when I came to Indianapolis, I got a chance to become a fan of the Indiana Pacers. And there, there was a run there where the AFC, or not the AFC, sorry, the Eastern Conference Finals was something that the Pacers were going to that Paul George, George Hill, Roy Hibbert, Lance Stevenson, coached by Frank Vogel squad. Uh, We were having a lot of fun whenever I first got to Indiana, so I got a chance to see it. And I'd always been a LeBron James fan because whenever I was in high school, I watched him play against the Pennsylvania All-Stars with his high school team in downtown Pittsburgh, and I think he had 78 points or something (laughs) like that. He dunked from the foul line. It was just next level. So watching him kind of grow in my generation, watching him dominate, not really getting in much trouble while the spotlight has been on him since he was 16 years old. I've always been a massive LeBron James fan. So anytime people would have the conversation of who's the greatest player of all time, I would always concede the fact that Michael Jordan was the greatest player of all time. But when LeBron James was done, I said, when LeBron James is done, I think we'll all say that LeBron James was the best player of all time. After watching that first two episodes of The Last Dance last night on ESPN, I very much understand whenever everybody looked at me and said, no, no, there'll be nobody that'll pass Michael Jordan. And I was like, no, you're saying me this guy that's six foot 10, he's taller than Michael Jordan. He's been uh, in the spotlight since he was 16 years old. This guy who made it to the finals for whatever, 45 straight years, it felt like for LeBron. You're telling me that you don't think by the end of his career, they'll ever be able to say that he's like, and they were like, no, Michael Jordan's the greatest of all time. And there's nobody even close. And then you listen to Greeny's tweets, Mike Greenberg, who said, I saw the entire thing. Well, you will see it solidifies the fact that he's the best there is the best there was and the best there ever will be or whatever and i always said you old i was sick of the old people refusing to understand and recognize the greatness of the youngs right this happens in every sport it doesn't matter who it is this person if you grew up with them they're the best and the other people aren't so that's what i always i was like that's a generational thing you'll never get it uh whenever you guys are gone lebron james i'll say he's the best of all time then you watch that last dance last night and you just realize Man, Michael Jordan was just a different animal. That guy, I mean, the Chicago Bulls, I had no idea that they were just like the Flint Tropics. (laughs) I had no idea they were the Flint Tropics potentially getting kicked out of the NBA before he got there. I had no idea that whenever he got on that team and was a rookie, his entire squad was just snorting more cocaine in every city with with more strippers in the rooms and things like that. I had no idea that Michael Jordan was literally the savior for the Chicago Bulls. I always assumed the Chicago Bulls esteemed tradition, esteemed organization. This is the top franchise franchise and everything like that i was i was wrong they stunk and guess what since he's gone they've stunk that guy put the number three city in america on his back in the way he played his savage style in the court and obviously the way business was done by jerry cross who's a stooge <laughs> napoleon stooge least self-aware stooge prick stooge i think that was something that i don't think i fully understood now granted we got to talk about a couple other things i i mean um scotty pippen's agent 
Uh, needs to get the hell out of here. Now, for Scotty Pippen, if you're thinking about Scotty from Scotty's standpoint, and we've gotten a chance to uh, shotgun beers with Scotty, yeah. and I got a chance to watch Scotty Pippen dunking an eagle from like 120 out on me to basically kill me in a one-on-one golf matchup, even though I got the belt. Even though I got the belt, Scotty Pippen does not. He embarrassed me on CBS uh, with his incredible golfing, and it was nice to get to chat with him. And you, you look at it from his standpoint, where I think he had 11 siblings or something like that. So whenever he was offered $18 million, in his eyes, that was probably a massive thing. But the league took off because of the Chicago Bulls team. They started winning. The salary cap went up. And the fact that they refused to renegotiate with Scottie Pippen, right? And now, granted, Michael Jordan very easily could have wrote a check for $5 million from either his his endorsement money or his NBA money to his number two, who he said, I've never won without Scottie Pippen. I think this is the biggest takeaway from last night is everybody's like, damn, Scottie Pippen ain't make no money while they were doing good. Michael Jordan definitely could have taken care of him, but I would assume the way everything goes, just like how all locker room conversations go, like, hey, that's your business, man. I'll handle my business. You handle your business. Scottie Pippen handled business bad one time. That one deal that he handled badly ended up affecting them in the long run whenever Scottie Pippen decided to enjoy his summer and not get his surgery going into that uh, this last season that they're covering and everything like that. I was so intrigued by it all. I absolutely enjoyed getting a, a peek behind the curtain and learning about something I did not know about. I didn't know much about the NBA back in the 90s and the 80s. It was kind of fun to, to, to learn about a, just a force in the athletic world that I don't think I've given enough respect to, and that is Michael Jordan. He said he's going to look like an ass or whatever after the whole of the ass after this entire thing. I would assume where it begins is he... He called Scottie Pippen a little bit selfish, I think mm-hmm. he said. Scottie Pippen was playing for peanuts, literally. <laughs> and he was gambling against him in golf and things like that and betting on luck. I mean, Michael Jordan treated Scottie Pippen in a very interesting way, especially now that he said, I never won without Scottie Pippen. And he called Scottie Pippen selfish. But I think the big takeaway from night one is Scottie Pippen's agent is bad. Michael Jordan is a game changer. And Jerry Cross is a stooge. And I think that's how everybody feels. Uh, another person that was in that, David Falk. Mm-hmm. He was Michael Jordan's agent, bald guy, okay? He's a guy who created the Jordan shoes. And let me tell you how I know that. I was sitting in a Pacer game. Uh, I think I think AQ was with me. I think AQ Shipley was sitting right next to me. It was me and AQ. We're sitting uh, baseline, but feet on the wood. No big deal. Here we are. Nice. Paid for it, though. It wasn't given to me. I paid. <laughs> it was pretty expensive, but we were there. And right underneath the hoop, basically, uh, and Roy Hibbert, in the middle of the first quarter or something like that, does a layup or something, but gets pushed like into my lap, stands up, daps me up. I said, what's up, Roy? He goes back, shoots the free throws. The guy sitting next to me is in a suit, bald head, and he hits me, and he goes, who are you? And I go, who are you? And he goes, no, I'm his agent, and he dapped you up before saying anything to me. I would like to know who the hell you are. I was like, oh, I'm Pat. Nice to meet you, man, or whatever. He goes, uh, I'm David or, or David or something like Dave. I was like, oh, nice to meet you, man. And AQ goes, he starts hitting me. AQ, one of the biggest Jordan fans of all time. Okay, AQ goes, yo, that's Jordan's, that is Jordan's agent. I was like, Jordan who? You know, I was like, Jordan, Jordan who? He's like, Michael Jordan. I was like, no, he's not. I was like, so uh, who all do you rep? You rep Roy Hibbert or whatever? He was like, yeah, I rep Roy Hibbert. And uh, I also created those shoes you're wearing. I, I had Jordans on. And I go, AQ, you're right. He goes, I know you're right. He, and they, they, folk goes, what was he right about? He said you were agent, or Jordan's agent. Is that right? He goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was Jordan's agent from the beginning or whatever. I'm like, nice to meet you. 
sir. And it, was a, it was a hell of a handshake. He gave me his phone number. I still have his phone number to this day. Still have his phone number to this day. Never, ever used it. He told me to text him whenever he left. Never did it. This is another thing where I just, you know, I get a contact. I refuse to use it. And then I watched the last dance and I realized that this guy was one of the most pivotal parts of basically American sports business. And uh, I bumped elbows with him. No big deal. Texted him last night. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, it takes the last time. Get what some a, shoes in here. I told huh? him. I said, "What a legendary performance by you tonight." And uh, I assume I, I have a tech. What was that? Probably ten years ago. <laughs> <laughs> so who knows whose phone that is? I have no idea. But it was a fun night for me, man. Yeah. It was a fun night, kind of watching that, and just his ability to fly and float in the games. I mean, it was just. Everybody talks about. How many points Jordan would score if he came into this era? Because defense wasn't what it used to be and stuff like that. I mean, he was getting fouled while doing things, and they rarely called it. I would assume Jordan would dominate in this era. But the conversation was always, if LeBron was in that era, how would have LeBron done? And I would assume LeBron would do well as well. But, man, watching Jordan, what's that? You would have cried the whole time. Yeah, yeah I'm sure. I'm uh, sure. When they get to this Pistons series, oh. he might be crying a little bit, actually. The But Jordan... I mean, he was just a different animal. That was fun to learn about. I, I felt very ignorant uh, afterwards about. I knew nothing about this guy, and he is unbelievable. The ball control he has on like those layups where he goes into contact and guys are just hanging all over him. It just like he just never missed. Well, and he just waited. Yeah. The guy waited longer mm-hmm. than everybody else to put his shot off. And I think I saw Kobe do a lot of that too. And Kobe always said he obviously wanted to reflect his game with Jordan and everything like that. But he was—he had that ability, watching those highlights. And I always said all we ever see is highlights of him. Mm-hmm. Because whenever somebody's retired, all, you, all anybody ever shows are my – if you look at the NFL, the only thing they post is my highlights, right? They don't post my terrible stuff. Thankful. I mean, there was a lot of that stuff. But you, you kind of bang, – bangers are the only thing that survive. Mm-hmm. Okay, bangers are the only thing that survives. So you never see their bad moments. So that's why I was always like, uh, people say Jordan's the best because all they see is the bangers. All they see is highlights. And every coach was like, no, no, that was every night. Yeah. That was that was every single night. That's how he was. He was just wired completely differently than everybody else. And I like the fact that he and um, uh, not Smith, right? Dean Smith. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Dean yeah. Smith and then Roy uh, Williams. Roy Williams, right? I like the fact that Roy Williams uh, said that he had a conversation uh, with him. Michael Jordan said, I'm going to outwork everybody. Mm-hmm. And I think that deep down, every human that you've seen that is at the top all had one trait, and it's an incredible work ethic. And I think that is where it all starts and ends for people that want to be great with something. And for people watching at home or whatever, they're like, oh, I want to be great, I want to be great. Well, it, it seems as if all the people that are up in that sphere all have one common thing. It's just they work their asses off. Yeah. And that is uh, that was kind of cool to kind of watch it all unfold there with that old Michael Jordan. The uh, the stat that I saw last night that jumped out that you're talking about like his seeing Jordan's highlights and not the lowlights. With the Bulls, Jordan had more career games with at least 50 points. He had 30 of them than games with 15 or fewer points. He had 29. So he had more 50-point games than he had games less than 15. It was. I, and the one quote that he, uh, he said, too, was like, uh, there's probably someone new in the stands. Uh-huh. And he didn't want to like turn it off for them if it's like they paid so much money yeah. to get in. I thought that was pretty cool. It could be their first time ever seeing me, and he yeah. wanted. To, I mean, that is just That's a, a cool quote. legendary quote. <laughs> just like, hey, this might be this person's first time getting a first impression of me. Uh, I'm gonna make sure I just have. And I, by the way, I'm gonna say this as somebody who's done an NBA introduction. I remember their intros being a lot more electric. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I remember them being a lot more electric. And I'm assuming the guy that did the voice Great is, guy. yeah, him. Yeah, I'm, I'm assuming he's made a lot of money off of this whole thing. 
I'm going to let him know that wouldn't erode in this era, pal. You got booed off the stage. <laughs> yeah. Chicago Bull. <laughs> the music was awesome. Oh. The music was electric. Yeah. The music was awesome. It sets the tone. But I think he, he didn't give Michael Jordan enough of a... Uh, I mean, uh-huh. just in the one that I was. He didn't give... I mean, that guy, I, I, he's Michael said, Jordan. The one you sent was a bad one. Well, that was when I was making its rounds on the uh, internet. And yeah. I was like, not good. Not good. I was expecting more. I was expecting more. Because when I did my intro, all anybody said was, you think it's going to be anywhere near what the Bulls guy did? And I'm like, I watched the one I saw, and I'm like, yeah. I think, <laughs> I'm, and I had to... By the way, I had to introduce the star second. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I had to introduce the star of the show second for some reason because they got Jerry Krause down there. Jerry I mean, uh, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> that guy stunk. <laughs> Joining us now is friend of the show, a man who's a three-time, three-time, three-time Super Bowl champion. He had 29 surgeries throughout his career. Two-time pro bowler. Ladies and gentlemen, stink. Mark Schlereth. <laughs> boy mark how are you buddy man it's always good to be with you is this your office right here good wood behind you that's good wood behind you yeah that's good it's a book there's a bookcase back there you know i got some helmets up there you know a couple game balls and things like that you know i got all kinds of stuff going on rich mahogany i mean i've never yes, seen something yes so hey. many many leather bound <laughs> uh let's talk about some things did you watch the last dance last night what were your immediate thoughts about michael jordan and how that team was operating well i mean I, you know the immediate thought was everybody who compares you know it's whether it's kobe and and you know um and lebron and all that he's the original man that yeah. dude was the original like you want to talk about a dude that is completely driven one of the things that just resonated with me was Roy Williams, who was an assistant coach at North Carolina, said, you know, he's a guy that has the ability to turn the switch on and off, but it's always on, 100%. It's never off. Like, like to have that kind of drive, to be able to continue to be, you know, the, the best of the best and to have that drive and never be sated by success mm. is what amazes me about guys like, whether it's Peyton Manning or Michael Jordan, those guys, Kobe Bryant, the guys that are so damn good and have had so much success and they're still just freaking driven. Those are the guys that just amaze me. I said in the first hour that you one of the traits of those humans that are up there in that upper echelon is just an incredible work ethic. He said, Roy Williams said to Michael Jordan, told him, I'm going to work harder than any person you've ever seen before. And they said by the time he got through the season, he was like two times better than he already was. He was only getting better and better. How do you think that comes to be? Do you think it's him getting cut from the varsity team? Do you think it's his dad saying, the oldest son, Larry, go back inside with your mom? What do you think it is that you can make sure your kid has this trait where he wants to work his ass off or be great at something is that something that just happens or what is it you think well i think that i think there's a couple of things i think a lot of those life experiences you know actually lend like lend to that and then it's just how you respond to those life experiences right i mean we all have been given certain life experiences and and it's how we choose to respond to those how we choose to react to those um how we choose to internalize those most of the guys, and, and you played in the NFL for a long time, as did I, you are an uber competitive person if you play, if, if you get to that level. And then it's a matter of, you know, that perceived chip on your shoulder, even if it's not real. I mean, it's real to you. You know, when you're disrespected, it's real to you. 
Um, even if there was, you know, quote unquote, no disrespect intended, it's like when you get on a, a show and you go, hey, no disrespect intended, but let me disrespect this guy, right? <laughs> because it's ridiculous. So I, I think all those things add to a person's internal drive. And you know, there are pre- people, I've always said this about athletes in general, and we played with those guys that are extrinsically motivated. You know, they're motivated by the money and the fame and the women and the whatever. And that. And then there are those guys that are just intrinsically motivated, guys that are just going to do the work regardless of, of what the reward is at the end of the, you know, at the end of the rainbow. They don't care about that. They're just going to do the work. And um, you just want as many as those, uh, many of intrinsic motivated guys as, as you could have on any team. Well, then if you're Jerry Cross, why are you trying to tear that team apart? Mark? <laughs> I mean, what is that? I mean, I can't wait for episode three of however we go forward. Jerry Cross looks like a stooge. I want to slap in a mouth. <laughs> right. But listen, you know, it's it's just because you're a billionaire doesn't make you a genius. Just because you run a team doesn't make you a genius because you own a team or you're a general manager. None of that stuff qualifies you as a genius. Sometimes, you know, there, there's a book I read when I was in college at the University of Idaho in, in upper business classes called The Peter Principle. And The Peter Principle basically states that you rise to the level of your incompetence, right? And uh, certainly, Michael uh, Scott seemed to rise to the level of his incompetence. <laughs> Michael Scott. Yes, there you go. That's the Peter Principle basically in a television show, right? I mean, Michael Scott. Right, exactly. Incredible salesman. And then he gets moved up to regional manager, has no idea what he's doing, but he was such a good salesman. They moved him out of the position he was very good at to do another position that he was absolutely terrible at. That's the Peter Principle. Is that accurate? Absolutely. It's 100% accurate. You know, and it's one Shout of those out to the boys. Where I think the, hey, I think the, the great coaches, and listen, the great coaches and great managers and, and people that do a great job in a, in a, um, in a position of authority, they, they, they understand people's uh, strengths and weaknesses and they put them in positions to succeed. They put them in positions to accentuate strengths as opposed to exposing weaknesses. And one of the things I've always found fascinating about Mm. the New England Patriots and Bill Belichick, and you talk to people that are within that organization, they'll tell you Bill always says to them as a staff, I don't want to know what a guy can't do. I want to know what he can do. Mm. Let me know what he can do, and can I put him in a position, even if it's six plays a game, where he can benefit us? And and we have this tendency as people in general to focus on the weakness, right? To go, oh, well, that guy's not that fast, or that guy doesn't jump high enough, or that guy doesn't lift enough. No, I don't want to know about that. What does he do well? And can we win with that? And I think I think the great managers and the and the great people of authority really do a great job of recognizing and understanding what people's strengths are. Hmm. And then they say, hey man, if you got a great fastball, you know what? We're gonna let you pitch to your fastball. If you got a great curveball, we're gonna let you pitch off your curveball. But the bottom line is what we're gonna do is put you in that position to 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 accentuate that strength, to mitigate your weaknesses and to accentuate your strengths. And that's what to me coaching and managing is all about. Well, I'm an American, not an American, so I love everything you just said right there. Yeah. I mean, that was a deep thing you just said, to be honest. And because that kind of 
I mean, we'll tie it back to football here. It's a good pivot point with Bill Belichick saying, we always did everything we could to take advantage of Tom Brady's strengths. We did it with Matt Castle as well. Now they're going into a year with Stidham potentially as a quarterback, or if you listen to Rappaport, Hoyer at quarterback, or if you listen to some people, conspiracy theories, they're hoping that Tua tanks far enough that they can pick up Tua. What do you think is going to happen with the Patriots going forward? Are they going to be like the Bulls who had this incredible run? They were incredibly successful. Then it all kind of falls apart never to be seen again or do you think bill belichick will be able to continue to maintain and which direction do you think he's going to head towards yeah i still think they're a good enough football team and they have enough they have enough of their principles in place and one thing that has always fascinated about uh, uh has always fascinated me about the new england patriots is even when they find a guy who is legit like uh a chandler jones who has 12 and a half sacks and then they move him Right, they always are developing guys underneath. They they mm. do such a great job of the development phase. You know, we so we're coming into the draft, which is on Thursday, and we're so focused on the draft and what a guy is. And I think they do a great job of going, okay, here's what a guy is, but this is how we envision him. This is what he can be mm. if he gets the proper tutelage, if he gets the proper coaching, if he gets the proper fundamentals, if he starts to understand the game in totality. And, and I think the development phase of football is something that a lot of organizations don't focus on. They focus on talent. They focus on, you know, the, the sizzle and not the actual stake. And the stake is developing guys and getting guys better. Going back to the Michael Jordan thing, you know, James Worthy said in episode one, he goes, Michael Jordan wasn't as good as me. He goes, I'm going to outwork you. And he goes, it took him two weeks to become better than me. <laughs> Yeah, right. Just two weeks. And then he was better than me. And, you know, James Worthy is, you know, a Hall of Fame caliber player. So I I just think that's a a really interesting kind of perspective of the development aspect of of these players that you're going to draft. That's interesting because you don't hear a lot about the development. You hear hear about how good they are whenever they come into the league and then they learn uh, strategy and in between the ears they get better. But you heard about this when Matt Patricia went to Detroit. The practices were focusing on technique. They were focusing on all these little things and a lot of the older players were like, man, this is not what we're here for. And then it was said that he lost the locker room and then they ship people out and they're continuing to rebuild but that is something that you don't hear about a lot is the you hear about college coaches being great football coaches you hear about mm-hmm. high school coaches being great development coaches you rarely hear about NFL coaches being good development coaches and seeing something in a guy and making them better and I'll take you to this Tua for instance is a guy who I don't think is anywhere near his ceiling obviously I don't think anybody thinks that is he a guy you think is going to come now I guess everything is situational is he going to guy that comes in backs up for a year proves that maybe in practice or somehow he can maintain health like what do you think it is about Tua that has become such an incredible conversation here weeks before where it seems as if his stock is either tanking or nobody has a clue what's going on with him yeah I think it I think it's really interesting because obviously when you watch him play I mean he's got the intangible aspects which I always look at is is your leadership, how guys rally around him, how guys believe in him. Can he make plays in clutch situations? I think he's proven over the course of his college career that he has that in spades. He just hasn't been able to stay um, healthy, if you will. And the hip injury is a big, you know, is a big part of that. I think, I think with the NFL, there are so many, there are so many organizations that will look at that and use that as an excuse. They'll use the lack of, hey, we didn't have a, a, a doctor's clearance or we didn't have whatever we felt like we needed. 
And I think this draft is really interesting because I think a couple of things are happening with this draft. Nobody's going to these these workouts because they don't exist, right? These these uh, these individual pro days. So I think there's a lot less herd mentality. Like you have to do such a great job of studying the tape, understanding what you want, what you need, what you covet in a player. And you're not going to be swayed by the opinion of, 30 other teams that are standing at the uh, same, you know, the same workout that you're standing at yeah. where everybody's exchanging ideas in this herd mentality. So you're going to see a lot less of that. The teams that really do a great job of evaluating players so off tape are going to hit. They're going to strike. And the teams, you know, I, I hear, oh, we, we want to push back the draft and this isn't fair. And this that that to me is nothing more than an organization that's not sure of itself, that wants that wants to have you know, um, the ability to make an excuse like, hey, well, we took the guy that everybody said was going to be great and you didn't develop him as a coach. That Our hands are clean, right? Mm. And, and as opposed to taking responsibility for who you're picking and why you're picking that person, um, there are no excuses in this draft. So if you miss in this draft, you missed off the tape in this draft. And if you missed off a tape, then your front office isn't very good. <laughs> Stink, you've been dropping some truth bombs in here today, man. It's been great to have you. Well, I, I feel hey, like man, I'm, that's what I do. I drop truth bombs. I think, though, just like you said, though, about that herd mentality, I assume whenever these guys are going pro day to pro day to pro day with each other, there becomes a lot of group think. Where it's like, okay, even if you're trying to make the Indianapolis Colts as good as you possibly can, you've been in the same town with this guy from, uh, let's say, the Browns for everywhere. And you guys become friends or whatever, and maybe however it is, you start having conversations about players. And although I work for the Indianapolis Colts and trying to get the Colts an advantage, what I hear another professional scout say is going to persuade what I think because he gets paid to do what he's doing as well. So now I think that is potentially why an NFL executive told, I think, Rappaport that the the mock drafts have never been wronger in the history. Like right now, the mock drafts are all so wrong. And I think that's because back in the day, if you got an information from one person, you probably got information from 15 people because they were all talking to each other. Or if you got information from this guy, you probably get information from these 20 people. Now it's like everybody is in their own worlds. And that is probably, there's probably a player that's going to pop out of nowhere in that top five pick that everybody's going to be like, damn, nobody saw this coming. It's like, well, that's because you didn't get a chance to talk to anybody because it's a whole new world. Yeah, it is a whole new world. And I, I just find this part of it. I find it fascinating, interesting. you know, that um, I, I've always felt like you can see explosiveness. You can see great players. You can see them on tape. And oftentimes guys will get downgraded because, you know, the guy ran a, a four five as opposed to a four four four, and they're like, "Oh, he got downgraded, and he moved down in the draft." And you're looking at the tape and go, "Man, he runs a five a four five, but he looks faster than the guy running a four three. Like, why do the what? You know, it was the whole John Ross theory. And I remember talking to one of the coaches on Cincinnati, and he's had these injury issues. And I understand. I'm not trying to pick on the kid, but you know, he ran the fastest combine time ever. And people were so excited, and I don't know that he's got more than a handful of catches in the National Football League, but I was doing a game in Cincinnati, and one of the coaches said, you know, he, he lined up in press right off the bat in a minicamp, and one of our starting DBs, like, stabbed him in the chest and about ripped out his heart. And <laughs> it's like, he was like, uh-oh, this is a whole new world. Like, I don't, like, this is different, right? And it is. The game, as you know, man, the game is just different. It, some guys' skill sets translate, and some guys just don't, unfortunately. 
the thought though of when John Ross gets the ball in his hands, <laughs> he is fast. You know what? I, yeah. He is very fast. Go ahead, Diggs. Mark, I feel like every time uh, I watched the Tampa Bay Buccaneers game last year, your voice was on the television. So I wanted to ask you, since I feel like since you called their games, you would know a lot more. Like, do, what the addition of Tom Brady? How much does that help their team? Do you feel? Well, I mean, I think right off the bat, Jameis Winston had 39 turnovers. He had 30 interceptions and nine fumbles. That's not going to happen. Without those, if you just eliminated nine of those, they're a playoff team. They're going to the playoffs. So um, they they really played well at the end of the season. I did a couple of games. Uh-oh, we got a sneaker. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, is there any, like, uh, I, I feel like that's potentially – a book or whatever the hell that's called. I think there's a button in there that opens a private door. Is there a secret door back there? No, she just came in. She's looking for she's looking for something. That's my uh, three my three and a half year old granddaughter who uh, hi the night last night. Hi, how she are needed, you? Do you want to say hi? Come here, come here. Hi. This is Drew. Hi, say hi. Oh, say hi. hi, Drew. You are the cutest. <laughs> how are you? I, I want to let you know. My grandpa or dad would have never found me going to reach for a book ever. So I'm very happy for you, Drew. <laughs> oh, and here's the other one right here. This is Quinn. What's up, Quinn? How are you? Say hi to Mr. Pat. Hi, Mr. Pat. <laughs> hi, little Miss Quinn. Thanks for coming on. You're the best. Are you enjoying Quarantina with Grandpa? Yeah. Yeah, we're having a good time. He's not my grandpa. Yeah, I am. I am a grandpa. Are you <laughs> not? Oh. Okay, yeah, I'm the popo. My dad is the grandpa. You're the popo. You're the popo. Yeah, the popo. Oh, fun place. Yeah, you can play. You can play. All right, go. go do your yeah, go uh, do popo. Yeah, I'm right. sorry, Quinn. Sorry we interrupted you there. That's on us, Quinn. Oh, you gaming over there? Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, that's my ra- that's my radio gear for my uh, for my Denver show. So great show, by um, the way. We listen to it in the office every once in a while. Great show. What's that? That's a great show, Stink. We listen to it over here in the office. It's a good show. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. Uh, the the Buccaneers, though, with the addition of Tom yeah. Brady, he's not yeah, going to turn I mean, the ball over like that. Are they immediately yeah. going to the playoffs? Right. Oh, I, I think I, th- I don't think there's any question. You look at the tight ends they have. They've got, I mean, just on an offensive standpoint, they've got some really good. Mike Evans is a beast. Chris Godwin is incredible. Run after catch, does everything, will block. He is a kind of an actuator or a tone setter of that offense, two tight ends that can flat play. And I think the other thing that's really interesting about them, Todd Bowles is this aggressive defensive coordinator. When you look at their defense, every guy on their defense was a first a rookie first-year or second-year player. And at the se- as the season progressed, when they finally figured out what they were doing and they were in unison, they were in sync, they were nasty on the defensive side. Like, they're going to blitz you. They're going to create plays. They'll give up a few big plays. That's part of the equation. But they're going to turn the ball over. They're going to get after the opponent's quarterback. They're going to blitz more than anybody else in football. Um, and they've got some young, talented football players that uh, that are really exciting to watch. Vita Vea is an exciting guy. Devin White is a super exciting guy to watch. They've got some young players who can flat-out play. They went from number 32 in the league to number 5 in the league under Bulls, and I think they're probably only going to get better, especially when your offense doesn't turn the ball over because when offense turns the ball over, normally you're setting the defense up in bad field position. So it's only it's a ties together. One last thing before we let you go, and we appreciate your time here. Uh, after talking about film and how much you rely on film as opposed to all the other stuff whenever scouting somebody, this Tua Wonderlick thing, he got a 13, I guess, last year whenever uh, he took the test in the spring. Recently, he retook the Wonderlick and got a 19 is what Laura Rutledge is reporting. Does the Wonderlick 
uh, in your eyes, mean anything or is it not worth a damn? Um, it doesn't. I don't think it means a whole lot about what your football acumen is. And, and let me just say this. If I was in charge of the Players Association, we would no longer take the Wonderlick because that is that is a personal thing that's supposed to be part of your medical that should never be released huh. to be used against you. And the fact that we still let our players take the Wonder Licks and they get released every year and then people get p- uh, poked holes in their game because all of a sudden this guy's an idiot or he's not very smart or, you know, whatever the case may be. You may be really smart from a football standpoint and not do well on a Wonder Lick test. But the fact that we continue to release these things is, to me, it's an egregious failure of our Players Association to let players continue to take that thing when that uh, sensitive information gets released and used against them. I just, I would just say we, we won't take it anymore because you guys continue to release that information. You guys as organizations continue to release the information to hope a guy slides down to you so you can take him. I think it's a bunch of garbage, Pat. Oh, um, it's equal. It's always equated to intelligence too on the internet. It's a, it's not an intelligence test, by the way. It's more of a critical thinking, decision making test. But anytime somebody has a low score, like this guy's an idiot. It's never positive, by the way. That one guy has a perfect score. They're like, yeah, he stinks at football, though. <laughs> so even a guy gets a good score, he even gets buried. There's not a single positive that comes from the Wonderlick in in the public opinions. It's wild to me. Yeah, it is. It's a wild. It is a wild aspect. You go to Harvard and you get a forty on it. You know, you're like, wow. But you went to Harvard. You're just a smart kid. You can't play. <laughs> you know, I mean, you're you're 100 right about that. I hate I hate the fact that the players continue to take them and they continue to get released. I just think it's. I, I just think that. Um, I think it's abhorrent the way we do players that way, and, and I just word. wouldn't allow it happen anymore. <laughs> hey, that was a great word there. Yeah, that was a Wonderlick word. That I, I learned that when I took the Wonderlick test and got a two on it. I got a, I, that was the only thing I got right. Abhorrent. The use of abhorrent was the only thing I passed on the Wonderlick test. Did you take the Wonderlick? I no, I didn't. I didn't go to the combine. I didn't. You know, I was. I, didn't, I wasn't one of those special guys. Hey, I didn't go to the combine either. But they gave us the test because they wanted Pat White to take the test, so they had to count. Uh, they had to count for all of us. So that's the only no, reason I took. Every, it. Everybody, everybody took it. By the way, I was just watching highlights the other day. And I watched a punter take one from the end zone. Oh yeah! All I mean, he went like uh, he went a hundred yards. He's on Kentucky yeah. now. He's uh, he's number one on Kentucky. Uh, I forget his name. He's he's not a punter. <laughs> Believe it or not, that guy is no longer a punter. He's a uh, he's <laughs> they, like they moved him. Yeah, I think he's wide receiver quarter. He's something for Kentucky. Number one for we'll get his name. Uh, Mark, I appreciate you, man. I appreciate you as well, and uh, we'll we'll be back with you at some point. I'm sure, man. What, what offensive lineman's going first this week at the draft? Do you know? I think I think Wills is the most skilled guy. Wills. Wills is just, like, from a technical standpoint, he's the most skilled guy. But, man, it'd be hard to pass up on Becton. Oh. At 6'7", 365. That guy can move. Uh, that guy's got great movement skills. Can he move other humans, though, Mark? Can he move? Yes, he can. He can move other humans. There's not a lot of people that can anymore, though. Yeah, no, there isn't. But at, at three sixty, I like you should at the second level. Him getting out and running and doing things, he is he is a beast. There's no question. And uh, apparently, we're gonna play with this. Yeah, and we're done here. All right, Popo, <laughs> enjoy the Cinderella games, Mark Schlaren. Yeah. Appreciate you, Mark. See you guys. 
It's always hard to get the proper nutrition into your body, whether you're on the go, whether you're working, or maybe you're just lazy and don't really think about it. A company has come along and made one scoop to make your life a better one, and that's our friends at Athletic Greens. Athletic Greens is a one-stop shop for everything that your body could possibly fucking need from a nutritional standpoint in one clean scoop. I, I am a big fan of this Athletic Greens. I've never taken care of myself. I'm a noted poor eater, poor drinker, poor liver. And now that we've been on this run here for the last 11, 12 weeks, the thing that I've noticed that has saved me just a little bit has been my scoop of Athletic Greens. And I also have travel packets, which have worked out perfectly for everything we have get going right now. You need to get this into your daily routine because your nutritional needs need you to have you ready for whatever the day throws at you. You struggle to get in nutrient-dense fruit and veggies. You're looking to overcome gut health issues or nutrient deficiencies. You just don't feel as good as you used to. You travel frequently or struggle to eat as well on the road. You're an athlete or professional seeking enhanced performance. You don't want to take multiple supplements at home or on the road. If all of these things are yeses or any of these things are yeses, you need to get with Athletic Greens right now. Your body's nutritional needs change due to stress, travel, sleep patterns, exercise, and the imperfect diet. Even with a balanced, healthy diet, it can be tough to cover your nutritional bases. That's why top performers, athletes, executives, and entrepreneurs trust Athletic Greens. Right now, you can get 20 free travel packs, which is valued at $79 with your first purchase whenever you go to athleticgreens.com forward slash pat that's 20 free travel packs which is valued at 79 dollars for free when you go to athleticgreens.com forward slash pat respect your body appreciate your body fill it up with the right shit athletic greens has all the good shit for you athleticgreens.com forward slash pat 20 free travel packets welcome to mcafee and hawk sports talk I on the left side of your screen and Pat McAfee and on my left is AJ Hawk. AJ, how you doing, pal? I'm doing great, Pat. You look good in your cutoff. You changed from your morning show to this show, I see. Well, the sleeveless was a gift, AJ, and it's coming with me. This is actually from the uh, USA volleyball team. Uh, I played volleyball in high school. Frank bought this for me. It was a clearinghouse purchase, and uh, I'm very, I love it. This may be my new favorite sleeveless hoodie, to be honest. I wish we could sell them like this. Is that tailored or is it just cut off? The sleeves are just cut off. Well, it is a sleeveless hoodie, but they have uh, their issue. You see, they have a go to wide there. You see that? Yeah. See, I don't like that because I do shrugs. So I'd like a little bit of show. You know what I mean? I like a little bit of uh, how you doing? How you doing? You know what I mean? How you doing? <laughs> just trim it yourself a little bit. Get some scissors out. I will. I will. But USA is here. I don't want you can't get too close. You know what I mean? I do know what you mean, yes. Happy 420, AJ. Do you know what that means? No, what is it? What does that mean? I keep hearing all this chatter. Well, it's when those uh, bad kids in your neighborhood go and smoke on the marijuana in the cush and enjoy their life a little bit better. I have no idea why the founders, why 420 happened. There's all of these rumors. Like a 420 is a marijuana thing in police code is, is the original rumor. And then it's somebody else's birthday and then somebody else died. I don't know why it happens, but I do know that today I've inhaled a massive amount of vitamins already and there's no stopping in sight, pal. <laughs> so you still feel the need to... Hold on. I guess partake in 420, even though it's it's not like a special day for you. It is a special day. This is a big day for our community, AJ. 
It's a big day for our community. You, you get people that pop out of the woodwork that you never knew that all of a sudden are partaking in the vitamins and, and living a little bit of a happier lifestyle, a little, little bit more snacking, a little bit more napping, a little bit more laughing. You find out who's who in these particular days, you know? That's good. I, I think you're spreading positivity. That's kind of what your your whole motto is. You're going to spread positivity and want to want to bring happiness to people. You're damn right, AJ. You know who brought happiness to me? No. Jerry Cross. <laughs> man. That guy's an idiot. I wish he was. Uh, R.I.P., man. If this dude. Is he it dead? It may be better. Oh, yeah, it may yeah, be yeah. better that he's not alive. Thank he's God, dude. Because he oh. might have died from this. I don't know how that guy's little heart was, but. <laughs> There's been a lot of bashing old Jerry Krause, and I, I don't think anybody, I haven't heard one pro Jerry Krause person, not a no. single one, honestly. And by the, the way, the most, the most pro Jerry Krause thing was from the owner, Reinsdorf, when he said like, when he brought him in, which was weird, he was a baseball scout and you hired him to be the GM and, and take over what became one of the most dominant franchises ever in, in you bring in Michael Jordan. But the most complimentary thing he said was, yeah, I mean, everyone said stay away from him. No one wanted to be around him. He, he alienates people. But Reinsdorf said, I wasn't hiring a guy to try to be my best friend or try to be a good guy. And I'm like, okay, well, that I guess that's kind of a positive. I wasn't hiring a guy to win a popularity contest. I just wanted him to general manage our team. And I, that I don't know if – I wonder if Jerry Krause was told that by the owner whenever he hired him. Like, hey, everybody hates you, but I hope you can build a good team. And I he, thought it was weird too. Didn't you think it was weird when he said – when they come back for the final year and Jerry Krause lets Phil know, okay, this is your last year coaching the Bulls. You think you're so smart. <laughs> that little triangle offense you run, what, five out of the last seven years you win championships? You think you're so smart, Phil. Just wait, pal. You win five championships for this team, for this organization, you know where that gets you? One more year, you're gone. Okay, you win us one more championship. You win six in eight years. You get the hell out of here. That's what Jerry Krause said to him. And what are you trying to do? You're trying to find other people that are like you're trying to find another Phil Jackson. You're trying to find another Scottie Pippen. You're trying to find another Dennis Rodman. They said that they were going to keep Jordan and build around him. But what are you trying to do? You're trying to find the exact people you already have arrogance and, and stuff like that it just doesn't make any sense to me it, it really doesn't because why do you leave your for show team looking for a mo team because what you ended up with especially in the bulls case you end up with no team and that's what jerry kraus deserves rest in peace obviously but it's not that peaceful tonight it won't be that peaceful for the next eight weeks, I don't think, for old Jerry Krause because he looks bad in this thing. He's the only reason why they started filming because he gave the announcement that this is the last go. And they're like, we just won a championship. We're probably going to win another one. Why are we canceling this thing? And it's like, we need to move on. Well, that's dumb, Jerry. You, you are a dumb little man. And I, I think the fact that they mocked him in Space Jam so bad is one of my favorite things I've ever... Have you seen the character that is oh, a yeah, spitting dude. image of him? I mean, and then the open shit-talking from Jordan to the general manager of the team and Scottie Pippen talking about how they need to lower the rim and all this stuff to him. I mean, what a weird dynamic for such a successful operation. What I had no idea, I guess, at the time that all of this was going on behind the scenes. But to watch it back, it's it's remarkable to watch. Especially, he, he and Phil Jackson don't get along that well. So I thought Phil was really cool to see when they talked about the Scottie Pippen situation. And Phil's like, no, I mean, I, you got to view it from the player's perspective and what he sees. Like Phil is such a a, a mind reader. Like he has a way of like 
taking himself out of the equation and trying to think as he is other people. Like, it was pretty impressive, I think. I love Phil. I always have. Well, Phil kind of ruined the Knicks there for a bit, but I think <laughs> Phil has a, an incredible Got pet. paid. Got paid a bunch of money to come to New York for a couple years. Hey, is that check on bounce? Nope. Here I come. Did you see in his office, he had that little rake with the sand thing? Mm-hmm. Zen little Garden. Zen Garden. Yeah. Zen Master. So what does that do? What, I don't understand. That. What do you, you just take that little tiny rake? It's calming. Uh, yeah. Is it? Yeah. It's like an old like, Buddhist Zen type calming thing where you can kind of just comb the sand and the rocks and feel good about yourself. You should yeah. see him on the golf course. Who, Phil? Oh, yeah. He was good on the golf course? No, he just loved the sandbags, the, the, the bunkers. <laughs> <laughs> That's rough. He felt good about that. He felt real good. Uh, that was Zito. Uh, not to be confused with Ty Schmidt, who got a massive shout-out this weekend from the biggest podcast in the sports podcast planet Earth that just dropped out of nowhere, the Hawkcast, an hour-and-a-half conversation between A.J. Hawk and Aaron Rodgers. And our favorite part was this. Talking to you, so I want to hear what you have to say. People have heard enough of what I have to say. And second off, if I want to chronicle 24 hours in my life, which I'm not going to do, I don't. I don't have to invite Peter King to creepily watch me all day. I think you should invite somebody to get that on tape. Maybe get some of Pat's boys to come over. They're good. You're right. They are good. The, the guys are good over there. Yeah, get the, get Lou Holtz's guy to come over. Oh no, Ty Schmidt for the record. <laughs> yep. It's Ty Schmidt. Yeah, get get him to come over and film you like a typical day, man. Let the people see what you're all about. They just see this, you know. This facade of this guy that wears V-necks and slicks his hair back and never has any facial hair and smokes too much cigars and you know they don't know about the real you you know the guy that fills up three water bottles worth of piss during every uh, you know every podcast they you know let them see. Yeah, AJ, why don't you let them see? Why don't you let somebody get a twenty-four hour tour? A couple quick things. Thanks for the shout-out to Ty Schmidt. Yeah, appreciate it. You know Ty Schmidt absolutely love that. And Ty would do that, by the way. If you need somebody to follow you around, whether you're pissing or whatever, Ty would do it <laughs> in elite fashion because that's what Ty does everything at. But that conversation between you two, Ty said it was the most human he's ever heard Aaron Rodgers, and he absolutely loved every single second of it. And the good thing for everybody else is a guy named Matt Schneidman just tweeted the entire thing out for free <laughs> with no link on how to download it. So I got a chance to kind of vicariously listen through it, to it through that guy's tweets without ever giving you a download so that's good yeah i guess everybody wins in that case right you guys made me aware of this guy schneid schneidman schneiderman uh which is cool it's cool he's supporting the podcast but yeah you just gotta throw a link in there bud don't just transcribe exactly what happened he did a 17 thread tweet 17 tweet thread basically explaining everything that was happening in the podcast and i was like well i don't have to listen i guess i could just follow along with this guy but then i gave you a download because i think you deserved a download because i listened to everything that happened but that was awesome and I, I heard he's very excited to come do the thursday night draft super special that we have going on uh for the first round he's very pumped up about that i've heard yeah i gotta i get to uh Make sure I reach out the day of and make sure to remind him. You know, people can be forgetful at times when they need to call in for something. So we need to lock out a time we want him to call in for the show. I know we have Jordan Palmer coming on as well. So we just need to work out when these guys are calling in. I haven't heard a thing from Chris Ballard or his people, by the way. Not a single I'm thing. Sho- I'm shocked. <laughs> <laughs> He's got nothing happening right now. Well, it's 420. You can forgetful on 420. You know what I mean? You can get forgetful. Have you seen the photos of some of these general manager setups? I just saw John Lynch's set up right before this. His looks really, really good. John Lynch just came out with six 
I think it was six televisions and one uh, pictures. Foxy, do we have it? Yep. Three landline phones right there. Okay, so yeah, he has six screens. Uh, four of them are, are computer screens and film screens. Hey, is the, let me know, Pat. You guys would know better than me. Those screens that he shows are. Did they Photoshop the logo on the screens? Uh, it's certainly post. It certainly does look. No, oh, you so see the glare. No, yeah, because I think those are on the screen. Somebody okay. definitely set them all up to look that way for the photo. Yeah. This is definitely an Instagram flex immediately upon setup by the IT person. This was a this was a setup by the IT person. As soon as he took the picture, he sent it to somebody. Is this okay? That's exactly what you this guy. The, the, photo. the person that set this photo up in the in the screen there. You see him yeah, taking a picture. The, he's, he's sending this to somebody who's his boss. Like, is this fucking good enough? And then they're like, Yep, perfect. Let's put it out. Three hard hard lines there. He's got a, a an outlet for whatever he has in front of him. He has four computer screens, two of them to watch film in the front. Then he has the TV screen in the back there that's currently hooked up to film. I assume that'll be to the broadcast of the whole thing. And then the three hard lines there. He'll have a zoom or two in there. And then did you see Gettleman's on the complete flip side of this? That is Max Technology. And then the general manager for the New York Giants, he is the complete opposite of that. His setup at his house is absolutely hysterical. Big-ass book, <laughs> one lap top give me a mug give me some lotion if i need to beat the salami <laughs> some hand sanitizer for anybody that's thinking about coming down here and i'm gonna do this old school i don't care if anybody can hear who who i'm picking yeah what was it you that tweeted something out i don't know what media member said like Gettleman has everybody fooled into thinking that he's dumb and doesn't understand technology and he's just kind of putting every he's throwing everybody off the set and he's playing this character do you see that what does that prove that he's, I don't know why you would want to do that, why you'd want to present yourself, as you guys say, as a big stooge, but <laughs> I feel like, I don't know. It's He, he better draft sense. well, man. These guys better work out. Draft stooge it could, <laughs> could really turn out to be a bad decision. Uh, I'm pumped for Thursday night. I think a lot of good's going to happen. One person that is just tanking right now is Tua, and the NFL executive mentioned last week to wrap up of the NFL network that the uh, mock drafts have been wronger than they've ever been in the past. I brought that up to Mark Schlereth. Mark Schlereth said, well, you have no more group thinking with these scouts because normally they're at all these pro days together and they're all talking to each other, whether it's at lunch or at the hotel or when they're getting dinner, when they're traveling, they're talking to each other about each player and everybody's starting to kind of shape their, the similar thought pattern because they're together for two months evaluating different people. So for these insiders who are doing these mock drafts they call one person they're like what are you thinking well i'm thinking this and they can probably knock down like okay since this person feels this way he's friends with these scouts this team probably feels this way too so then he can start really knocking things off this year without the traveling without the group thought a lot of people are having to do their own independent studying i think the cream is going to rise to the top here on who's talented in the back end of scouting and who isn't without these you know hands-on meetings and without all the scouts being around each other I i'm pumped up to see what mayhem happens on thursday night that nobody predicted yeah and also it's going to be interesting to see like for most of these teams the gm is making he's the final call gm slash owner are the guys making the final decision on what we're going to do who we're going to actually pick so i think it, as well we're going to see the best gms who those guys are as well because maybe they don't have all the 
they sure they have all the scouts information, but they don't have as much as they or I guess as much like hearsay and rumors that they may have in the past. Like you said, with the old group think that that used to happen right now, that's that's non-existent in the world we're living in. Here are some rumors. The Chiefs want to move up to get Henry Ruggs, which is exactly what the Super Bowl champion Chiefs need. Another weapon, another superstar. I think whatever you look at that Chiefs team, the immediate thought is these guys don't have enough offensive weapons. Allegedly, they like Henry Ruggs. Congratulations to him if he ends up there. I guess the Niners are thinking about trading out of the first round. They have two picks in the first round, but they want to pick up more picks because they don't have any of those. All these rumors are starting to float. The Detroit Lions said they'll have the deal done by the third. The Miami Dolphins obviously have a litany of picks to give away. It feels like a lot of people are putting the feelers out there for, hey, we want to get the hell out of here. What do you take of all that? What is your takeaway of all that? There isn't a lot of high end high end talent in this draft or is there just it's such a deep draft that these people up front are like okay moving back well it depends what position i guess you're talking about if you say how deep it is when it comes to receivers i feel like it's the it's the top two and then after that it's kind of everybody else there's still studs to be had but i've seen a lot of stuff recently that the dolphins are going to want to trade up to three to take herbert which i think is crazy herbert or tua i've seen that both uh, like that they might get out of there and the, the, the Lions could move back to five and, and take that pick from the, the Dolphins. But it makes sense for the Niners to give up. They have two first-rounders, what, 13 and 31, to give up at least one of those because they have no picks in the second, third, or fourth round. Like That's going to be a, a you, long second day for those guys with nothing to do if they would, don't get some picks. Would you rather have a high-end first-round pick or more second, third-round picks? Probably a high-end first-rounder. Depends if I need a quarterback or not. Me too. That's why when I heard the Niners wanted to move and they have two first-round draft picks, I'm like, okay, so they can move up. If you have two first-round draft picks, you can move back, but you can also move up. There are some teams that only have a couple second-round picks and a couple other stuff. They can't move up. But if you have two first-round draft picks, I think you have, especially if you – uh, accompany it with a fifth rounder or a fourth rounder that I think they have. You have two firsts and a fifth. You could probably move up, I would assume, into the top ten if you wanted to. You're a 13. You'd probably move up even higher than that if you really wanted to. Who do they want, though? Who do they want? Why would they want to give up all those picks so then the second day they don't have anything going on? I don't know. It's alleged that they need a corner, I guess. Akuda could be a guy that you would want to go get. You better jump up far. If, you want to, if you're going to give up those picks, you got to make sure you get the guy you're going after. So how high do they have to go? I don't think anybody knows. What any, I think a lot of these teams potentially know who leaks information to who. So whenever they see like Mel Kuyper's mock draft, they have a feel for what like certain teams are going to do because that's probably who Mel Kuyper has gotten his information from in the past. I would assume there are some teams that can hear what other people are thinking normally. Now I, I feel like it is very much a uh, isolated. I don't think anybody has a clue where they have to get to if they want to get somebody. I would assume that they have some people um, – jotted or slotted in as second round draft picks that'll end up being first round draft picks i assume there's some fourth rounders that'll get taken early i think this is going to be a year where people aren't 100 percent sure where they need to go to get people and i think that's why we're going to see some blockbuster trades that could potentially make you go why why did that happen and that's just because of the isolation of the entire thing and there's always something that happens to where like especially in the top 10 some team jumps out and takes a guy that was like a second rounder going into the draft or very end of the first or in the in Mel Kuyper and everyone's freaking out like I mean yeah he's a good player but I had this guy like middle of the second round I don't know why I they're taking think. number nine overall <laughs> I still think this guy bad football player will be holding bags for Adam Vinatieri for training camp that's what he said about me 
The Raiders did that yeah. last year with their first pick, like number four overall. Yeah, took, Clellan Farrell. Yeah. Hey, they've done that uh, a lot, the Raiders, in the past. Uh, a lot, a lot. Mm -hmm. I mean, they were almost the best at it. If you ran fast, you were going to be a Raider in the top ten pick. Mm -hmm. That's a, At the Combine, you were racing to be the first-round draft pick of the Raiders, which was probably going to be pretty high there for a while. <laughs> That's what you were racing for. Al Davis is, is removed there, so it's usually not as – as much as it was before, but his son is still there. Mike Mayock is there. I'm sure Mayock is a guy that is so like meticulous and detail oriented. I'm sure he has. He, I don't think he leaned on a whole lot of other people for his opinions before this. So I don't. I don't think he's going to be a, as affected as other GMs might be with uh, not being able to have everybody in the war room together. Well, of course not. I mean, he did sign Antonio Brown, so there's probably a lot of people telling him, "Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it." They should go after Josh Gordon. Is he allowed back? Maybe he might be allowed back now that they don't now with the new CBA when they're not testing for weed really or they're not you don't get suspended for weed anymore. I think he's trying to get reinstated right now. Hey, congratulations by the way to all the NFL players that are currently playing football. That 420 was normally the start of the drug testing period. 420 was the start of the drug testing period all the way through the end of the first week of training camp. And you would only get tested one time. So if you got tested on 420, you were clear for another year until the next 420. So nobody could really enjoy 420 if you're in the NFL for a long time because those rude NFL league commissioner rules and, and, and they would get you on like 423, 424. Now the entire NFL is probably high, high as a kite. Good for them. I didn't even yeah. think about that. Congratulations Ooh, to those guys. Yeah. You'd like it better now though because be before now the, the window used to open up on 420. So what, you would have to stop three or four weeks before that if you want to make sure you're clear? Depending on how fat you are. Okay, but now these guys know, okay, cool, it's open for 420, but they can start getting tested when training camp opens, like July 28th or 27th. Would you rather have it this way or that way? Obviously, you don't get suspended anymore, but now their 4th of July is going to be changed. Everything's going to be different. No, this way is a lot better. This way is yeah. a lot better. Yeah, you know you only have that two-week period. Okay, every human has to be clean for this. We're all in this. We're all in. Now, granted, you would like to celebrate America, maybe with America's greatest herb, but you just can't do it. You just have to You just have to withstand for a little bit. You got to sweat it out. You got to get it going. Just got to withstand for a little bit. You're right. That's <laughs> all you got to do, dude. And by the way, 4th of July, you probably could. When do you check into camp? I don't. I don't I'm, that's why I'm just asking you. How long does it stay in your system? I don't know. When do you check into camp normally? Twenty fifth, twenty seventh of July. Yeah, I think you could. That's probably the last day, though. That's it. Hey, but he, that's even if you it. Get pop. <laughs> even if you get pop now, though, you don't. You get put in the program, I guess. So you still don't want to get pop. You don't want to be in the program. You do not want to be in the program as a survivor and a graduate of the substance survivor. of abuse. I am a survivor. I was getting stalked for twenty seven months. It, it, you do not want to end up in that program. So even though you won't get suspended or anything like that, you'll still play the football. Uh, you'll still get paid for the football. You do not want to get stalked and harassed for twenty seven months. So have a brain. And on America's birthday. You go ahead and chug a brew or two for the red, white, and blue. And you go ahead and toke up a thing or two, too. But that next day, now you're on the road to cleanse. And now you need to get garbage bags around you. You need to run around as long as you can until you pass out and get clean. Yep. Like I said, you're always spreading positivity and sending out a, a good, positive message for the youth of America. I don't care about them. All right. Let's get to um, um, we found a photo of you. Uh, oh great with a uh, rock star from back in the day and 
I'll tell you what, AJ, this may be my favorite thing that we've encountered since starting this show. Go ahead and put that up. Okay. Yes. So, obviously, Mr. Hawk on the left and Ed Hardy, Brett Michaels on the right. In the middle of that is your bride? Yes, it is. And you guys are on his tour bus in his house, his ranch. Where the hell are you in this? Uh, That's a a tour bus. Are we all wearing Ed Hardy gear? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Big Ed Hardy tour. I think it was the Brett Michaels... (laughs) Ed Hardy tour, actually. You weren't allowed in, or at least on the bus, if you didn't have Ed Hardy on. Was Brett Michaels one of your favorites there? Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. No, uh, I don't know. He was, was a bunch of guys in the scene. Every we were gonna go to a concert. Every so we rose went. has its song. Just like every night. As it's dawn, just like every cowboy sings a sad, sad song. Every rose has its thorn. Yeah, it yeah. does. Thank you, Zito. It's a good picture. <laughs> Who took the picture? I don't know. Somebody, one of my buddies on the team, I think. Was that Brady Quinn took the picture? No, Brady, Brady's been to a Brett show before, too, but he was not at that one. Brady likes Brett Michaels? This was years ago. We went to, yeah, the concert was fun. I, I believe Aaron was at that concert with us. And we got on, he tried to pull us on stage. I think Aaron jumped around and danced and everything. I think we have some breaking news. You'll appreciate this. Uh, two of signs with Adidas. Yeah, we know, we know, we know, we know. The first thing I saw in the video, he had Nike shoes on, Adidas shorts, Adidas shirt. His first training video he put out saying he was 100%. I said, well, that's weird. That is not how professional athletes operate, especially at this level. Then the next video, he had Adidas shoes on, Adidas shorts, and Adidas shirt. I was like, okay, he's about to get an Adidas deal. And whammy, he officially signs with Adidas here a couple days before the draft. Now, it's Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, Tua, Adidas is stacked up in the quarterback world. I think they have Dak Prescott as well. Go ahead. Uh, no, there's more breaking news after. All right. Well, this might be the last video I've ever seen of Tua wearing Nike, by the way. <laughs> Alabama, big-time Nike school, too. Oh, yeah. Norm, This is not normal for another shoe brand to come diving into a school and steal them. Cam Newton at, uh, with Auburn is with Under Armour. There's a reason. These relationships are deep. But Adidas is making a real run at all the quarterbacks, and I can't help but respect the hell out of it. Yeah, so what that means is they came to the table. They gave him a lot of money, a, a lot of money, good chunk of cash, and, and I don't. Yeah, Adidas is making a push. They got Von Miller's and Adidas guy. They're going after big time stars, and, and it's smart to go after the quarterbacks. That's who you're going to see all the time. And to a good move there too by wearing the Nike cleats, uh-huh. Adidas shorts and shirt before you sign the deal with Adidas, just to make sure. Hey, if we got a couple things we're haggling over in negotiations. I could easily jump over to Nike, guys. When you're telling Nike, hey, I might be Adidas as well, use them against each other, get paid. Hey, I've been wearing these Nikes for a long time, won a national championship and a Heisman in these Nikes. I ain't scared to stay here, Adidas. You don't want to bring another five, ten million more. You want to pay me more than Scottie Pippen made in seven years. You fucking better if you're going to get me wearing Adidas, pal. Let's go to uh, Diggs with more breaking news. Uh, Adam Schefter reported that he received a text from a participant on the NFL's mock draft that started at 1 p.m. today. Mock draft. This is the quote. Mock draft today. Already technical glitch with Cincinnati's first pick. Brutal. Yeah, <laughs> that's what we're here for. I cannot wait for that. Just what's watch- the glitch? I want to know what the glitch was. What happened? Well, I assume they yeah, wanted to take Joe Burrow, and Joe Burrow said no. That's why I think in the technical in the draft run through, just like we've been talking about for a long time. 
Robot Joe Burrow said, I ain't going. And they said, well, how do we deal with it? No, I would assume something froze. I would assume a message to somebody got shortened. I would assume some tech drop because all you need is a spike in the Internet and all of a sudden it's over. And that can get anybody at any time. The Thursday night draft is going to be awesome. Our show alone, I think, is going to probably cause some glitches with all of these coaches and teams and GMs yeah. trying to speak because there's going to be so much yeah. traffic driven to our channel. Yeah. And everyone's like, oh, we need to get on here. It's going to it's gonna slow down yeah. the Zoom yeah. FaceTimes, uh, all yeah. of the calls that are being made. It, it won't affect the landlines that these guys have. No. But everything else I think it's going to affect. Yeah, because our show is going to be good, isn't it? Yeah, very good. Yeah. yeah. A.J. Hawk. Oh. A.J. Hawk. Come on. A.J. Hawk. A.J. Hawk. Yeah. Still, you still refuse to try to get an arm bar on that mic. You saw that kid this weekend. There was a kid this weekend that sent a yeah. video in. He choked out his chair. He had a gamer chair. He choked out his gamer chair. And then out of nowhere, the guy busts, kicks his legs up for an arm bar. And you see his chair <laughs> tackle him on the ground. His camera gets knocked off. And then he picks up the camera smiling and laughing at him. And I had to forward it to AJ. I said, I think this guy just tried an armbar in damn shit. <laughs> Maybe Thursday night, whenever my mock draft Ooh. hits, I'll armbar the hell out of this thing right here. You going to wear a suit and tie? I think we should, huh? It's a super special. Might as well. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm up for it. By the way. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think we all have to. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. It's not, I'm not talking just oh, me yeah. and you. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I think everybody. Awesome. Aaron Rodgers, by the way, he calls in. He needs to be in a suit. Have a little respect for the fucking show, Aaron. Okay? You too, Jordan Palmer. All right? Have a little respect for the show. I you too, Chris Ballard. I'm not 100% sure he's coming on a show. <laughs> I've not gotten a single word back. I, I, I shot my shot. He's I, scared. I, I would be scared to text you back as well because... You let it be known, hey, any response you have to me will get regurgitated on air from my mouth. Am I not supposed to at least, at least I feel like I'm a good guy for saying that. Journalistic integrity. Hey, listen, just a heads up, I am currently live. Anything you say to me will get repeated. No answer. Okay. I texted another general manager that I know about potential rumors. He responded to me. We said it's all malarkey. Now everybody else is pushing the same narrative, and I feel like I'm an insider at this point. You know what I mean? If Boward told you, hey, man, this is off the record. You can't tell anybody. Don't anything. tell me. Don't tell me. That's what I would okay. say. Just curious. I've done that before, by the way, to people. What do you mean? They go, hey, uh, just between us, I go, don't tell me. It's not. No, they're like, just keep it between us. I'm like, it's not, though. I'm just telling you it's not. Because if it comes up, I'm going to let it out. And inevitably, they always tell me anyways. I just want to, like, I think they try to cover their own ass whenever they're telling me. I let them know, like, no, you tell me this is going to get out. Then they inevitably always go, all right, well, you're going to find out that blah, 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 blah. I'm like, okay, can I go live with that? They're like, no, you can't. I'm like, well, if it comes up, it comes out. That's just on me. <laughs> That's just how it goes. You know what I mean? It's just how it goes. Well, yeah. there's no such thing as off the record. Didn't they? I, I hope when you got to the Colts, did anyone... Like your PR people, do they let you know, like, hey, some of these guys and these gals in the locker room, they may try to tell you and buddy up with you. And, yeah, you, you can easily become close with some of them, but don't ever think it's truly off the record. Even if they say it's off the record, you, you shouldn't feel that comfortable speaking like that. My favorite is uh, one reporter, I won't say his name, was trying to do an anonymous uh, quiz or anonymous like survey about our team and how it was being run and stuff. And uh, he was like, hey, man, I was wondering if you wanted to 
fill out an anonymous survey. I got a couple of your teammates to do it. I wanted to know if you do it. I was like, no, I don't do anonymous stuff or whatever, you know? He was like, well, that's just to protect you and uh, your potential future. I was like, well, I definitely don't want to be a part of it then. And uh, I don't do anonymous stuff. He's like, okay. So then a couple of weeks later, I read the whole report thing. I'm pretty pumped I was not a part of that. I mean, they just buried the Colts there for a little bit. And I'm like, they're going to find out at some point who the hell said there and who talked there. I, I just, I, I feel like there's always a game of trying to get information. And as soon as you get information and you say information, anybody that hears you say that information, they're going to figure out where you got that information from. I mean, if you listen to Peter King talk, he's like, when Mike Tannenbaum says blah, 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 I'm automatically listening if it's about the Dolphins because he's friends with Stephen Ross and da, da, da. There's people that do that, like piece together puzzles, basically. So if somebody was to hear me say something about Adam Vinatieri, for instance, they'd be like, okay, McAfee heard from Adam Vinatieri then. That's why I try not to address the subject to talk about it because it will always get figured out. I feel like everything gets figured out these days i feel like that's the case i mean i think that's a good just rule to live by like why you don't need to be an anonymous source or you know especially if it's a negative thing why do you like actually you're put gonna, my you're name on it you're on the record that's a good thing i think that's a good quality thank you you're welcome i think you have a couple good qualities as well thank you you guys hear the message he got on his Facebook the other day? No. Oh, what was it? <sighs> Facebook. Guy. You have was Facebook? It Facebook? Didn't that guy send you a Facebook message about me? It was a ruthless message. Oh, I don't know if it was Facebook. I don't I don't check I don't have I don't really check Facebook, but what did you send me then? Was it an Instagram comment? Maybe, I don't know. Or somebody sent it to me. <sighs> I mean this guy. AJ screenshot and sent it to me. I think he was joking. Make sure you're okay. No, he or? was not joking. No, it wasn't one of those messages oh, like okay. worried about me. Yeah. It was the complete opposite. <laughs> Excuse this, me. This guy wanted me to die. <laughs> really? Yeah, I woke up from a nap and it's a text from AJ saying this guy actually brings up some good points. <laughs> <laughs> I read it. It was a. It was Is that a, what I said? Yeah. I woke up from a nap and I, I like look at it. It was like you saying this guy brings up some good points and it was a guy. He he. I mean, he nailed me to a T too. The things he said. Let me get a. Uh, he said uh, something about like ego is out of control oh yeah oh yeah i mean it was pretty good i mean uh, here we go his name is william weingartner okay not my william weingartner aj you're cool as a cucumber when doing the mcafee show (laughs) dealing with his overinflated self-obsessed belligerent repetitive ignorant disordered personality takes inner strength that's way above average i just signed up to your facebook page and noticed your radio interview so i'm going to listen to them instead keep up the kind deeds my young friend peace Wine gardener. Wow. AJ says, this guy brings up some good points. <laughs> I thought I started dying laughing. Started dying, dying laughing. Speaking. Well, it was so absurd. That it's the only reason I sent it to you. Because yeah, but, dude, like, how he strung those, that oh, together. That, I, I, now that you read it back to me, I don't even know if I read the whole thing before. <laughs> I, <started. laughs> I loved it. I very much enjoyed it. That's what the internet is, though. It's the most beautiful place on earth. And every once in a while on this show, we like to go into the comment section and find some YouTube questions. Uh, where is it? I'm not saying it. YouTube questions. <laughs> we need a little bit more emphasis on the energy there. Can we redo it? Every once in a while, we like to dive into the YouTube comment section for some YouTube questions. YouTube questions. Nailed it, Z. What do we got? All right. Uh, there was a couple random ones, but uh, this one right here. Ask Pat what 
what the league would be like if kicking field goals wasn't a turnover so you could kick multiple field goals back-to-back and potentially get a first down and keep it moving. Yeah, that'd be stupid. Stupid game. <laughs> Wait, what do you mean get a first down by kicking field goals? Nah, I'm not 100% sure. It feels like that person's never watched our sport before. Yeah, uh, another one. Uh, what will happen with the 13th pick? The 13th pick will be the uh, – we just talked about them. Niners. Niners. The Niners. They're going to trade out of there. So AJ and I are going to do our final mock drafts for tomorrow, okay? Tomorrow our final mock drafts will be completed <laughs> for the Thursday night draft <laughs> primetime super special McAfee and Hawk Sports Talk. We will present our final mock drafts tomorrow on this show. Mine is subject, subject to change now, from Tuesday to Thursday. That's not how it works. That's just not yep, how it that's works. That's how it works, yeah. So when do you want when do you want to have the final draft in? Right before the draft starts? No, we can. I'll, I'll have one for tomorrow. But is that your final one? We're making graphics here, AJ. Yeah, we got to make an entire graphic. All right, if you want it to be my final one, yes. I'm not tied to there my. Is. I'm not like I don't live and die off of this mock draft that I'm going to come up with because you told me now <clears throat> I have to put in trades and everything. I got to do all of this stuff that all these draft pundits spend years doing or or the full year putting together. (laughs) So I will go and siphon from a lot of different trusted sources and put one together. Yeah, you're going to plagiarize. I'm not. I'm going to do all the research myself tonight. And what we'll do is... (laughs) (laughs) Who's the the best... Say the top two to three O-linemen that you think will go in the draft. Well, Wills and... um, Wills yep. and Becton are probably the two that I'm really thinking. Beck, Becton's 375 pounds. I mean, he runs good. He's six foot seven from Louisville. That guy's probably going to move some people. And this guy, Wills, I mean, he sounds like he is a guaranteed home run. Big body, first one in, last one out type guy. Works very hard, moves other humans. Wills? Yeah, that's his last name, Wills. From where? From where? He's well, Alabama. He played that. Alabama. I mean, everybody knows that. I Wills thought you were talking Tristan Wirfs from, uh, from Iowa. No, he's yeah, number three on my big board. Uh, I think he will go somewhere as well on the first night, but it's definitely Becton's choice. Or You were talking about that Andrew Thomas guy from uh, Georgia. And when I, and by the way, when I met Andrew Thomas, he, he's obviously as big as an ox, that guy, but he's a gentleman and a hard worker. And those are the types of things. When you talk about Andrew Thomas and Wills and, and Becton and these offensive linemen that are first round like talent, and you go back to Quentin Nelson and these other gentlemen, you can really be an impact in that offensive line. You just got to have that irresistible trait of being able to move other motherfuckers, you know? Oh, yeah. yeah wait, drafting a, an offensive lineman in the first round, too, like it never gets any attention. It, no one really cares because they don't know if an offensive lineman is good or not. But it does make sense. Like, if you can draft a, a left or right tackle that's there for 10 or 12 years or a Quentin Nelson type guy like the Colts, which is tough to get as a guard, a guy that really can change your whole offensive line, it's super rare, but it, or it's super, I, I guess, it goes under the radar, and fans are like, okay, cool. But then it can really help your team if you find the right guy. Ballard got buried. Ballard, yeah. Ballard got buried for taking Quentin Nelson by some of the people. Now, it's not a sexy pick. It's not like your fans are like, oh, can't wait to see him or whatever. But the fact that he was at Notre Dame, I think, helped because there's a lot of Notre Dame fans around here, so they knew of him. But the writers and stuff did not give Chris Ballard many favors after he drafted an offensive guard in the first round. And he has set the tone for that team. That team's very different since he got there. I think it was a great pick. Especially when it's that high of a pick, when it's like a top yeah. five pick. Mm-hmm. It's not a sexy pick, like a yeah. wide receiver, stud what corner. Was he six? Or like a middle yeah. linebacker yeah. from Ohio. They called him Earl Gray. They dogged Earl him for Gray? Darius Leonard, too. Yeah, because he just teabagged people. You know what I mean? God. I like it. 
<laughs> yeah, you bury them and then just, you know. Yeah, I mean, slide over top of them. Yeah, it's classic. It's a great move for him. But, yeah, I mean, I, I get Ever happened to you? Ever happened to you? No. I don't know if it happened to me. I tried to I make it happen. I got blocked one time, pancake. No good. I mean, I've been pancaked plenty of times. I don't know if I've really been, like, violently teabagged on the field, maybe. <laughs> well, you're going to get got, you know? You just got to get yours more than you get got, though. Yep, exactly. Mm-hmm. 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 You have to, if you're a GM and you're going to draft an offensive lineman, like, in the top 12, you got you to gotta make sure that you're comfortable with yourself. You're comfortable dealing with some heat. Because, like you said, Ballard may have got killed on draft day, draft night when he takes Nelson, but now he looks like a genius. He does look like a genius. Really changed our team. I, I think for you and I, what we'll do for our Thursday night primetime draft super special, we'll each have our final mock drafts, and then we'll get points. If we get the the player right to the team right at the position right, that's like 10 points, okay? If we get everything right, it's like 10 points. If you predict a trade, but you don't have the team that they traded with or the the pick right, I think you should still get some points. Does that make sense? Absolutely. So we'll have to go through an entire scoring system, and obviously the loser will have to donate to somewhere. Okay. Yeah, I'm in. But you're going to plagiarize everything. I'm going to do my own work. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to plagiarize nah. anything. Sure sounds like it. Nah. Nah. I'm curious. i got to figure out where I'm going to put Tua. I just don't believe that Herbert's going to get drafted above Tua. I think everybody's trying to bury Tua right now for a reason. I don't know why. I think everybody's trying to bury Tua for a reason. Now, which team is trying to bury Tua right now to get him out of there so they could potentially get him? That is the question when I 420 on 420 2020 tonight and I dive deep into the analytics of everything. Can't wait to see your. Uh, you sh- maybe you should film yourself putting your mock draft together. That would be exciting, just to prove that you're not plagiarizing. Well, I mean, I already did one. I, I mean, yeah. I already did one basically that people have heralded as the best mock draft of the year. Well, you can't really herald it the best mock draft until the draft happens. No, 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 no. As mock drafts are concerned, they said it's the best mock draft to be mock drafted. All right, I got to take you at your word. They said my mock draft made more sense than everybody else's mm-hmm. mock draft. Who's they? Oprah? No, no, no. Oprah didn't say anything. What do you What do you know about Oprah? Why didn't she say anything? Well, she didn't say anything about my mock draft. Did she say something about your mock draft? You know Oprah? No. You get a no, car. No, but a lot of times when people say they, Oprah is their, who they're talking about. No, I'm just talking about people in the comment section on the videos. Oh, okay. I'm excited. I, I mean, it's going to be, yeah, I'm going to have to put this together. The trade things are what really throw me off when these mock drafts have trades. Speaking of trades, there's about to be a trade about a guy that we talked about just one week ago. This weekend, the internet was abuzz on NFL Twitter when a big name from LSU, animal running back, is all of a sudden on the trading block. And you might wonder why. Let's take you back to about a week ago. Leonard Fournette said that the team should sign Cam Newton. I don't know if that was his exact words, but I guess it was inferred. Uh, He said he likes Gardner Minshew, loves Gardner Minshew. Uh, Cam went to the Super Bowl. He's a great guy. And like I told some people, it's no disrespect to Gardner Minshew. I'm just trying to get the best position as we possibly can to win. That's my first time seeing the quote. He definitely said. (laughs) Yeah, he did. He definitely (laughs) said, give me Cam Newton. The guy's on the streets. What are we doing? And just a couple days later, he was on the trading block. So (laughs) that sounds as if the Jacksonville Jaguars are all in with Gardner Minshew. And if you're not, get the fuck off the boat, pal. Yeah, it's it's pretty funny how quickly that happened. Like, would this have 
been put in motion this this fast if if Fournette wouldn't have come out publicly and basically said bring Cam in and I know you you think Gardner's the answer yeah I love Gardner and everything but we got Cam Newton here we need to he's available bring him in that is so hilarious to think of you know because Marone and whoever else is running the Jaguars now that Tom Coughlin uh, was let go because 25% of the NFLPA's complaints were about his operation down there. Yeah. I, I, thinking about the Jacksonville brass, the Jaguars brass on their Zoom call last week. Oh, uh, did we see Leonard Fournette's uh, tweet about Cam Newton? All one of them had to say, yep, let's get him fuck out of here. And they are like, yep, deal, deal, deal. People are getting muted in the background. <laughs> like, get him out of here. Get him on the trading block. Then Doug Marone goes into the other Zoom where the scouts and the GMs are. Uh, the coaches want them all out here. And they're like, us too. We we're just yelling about him too. Get him the hell out of here. Even if it's got to be one of those Billio Stooge type trades, get him the yeah. hell out of here. Now people are thinking maybe Leonard Fournette to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And Leonard Fournette, people forget at LSU was a grown man playing against children. He was a grown man at LSU running people over. He goes to Jacksonville Jaguars, doesn't hit as hot as everybody thought he would be, gets into a fight. He ends up actually going out into Montana, deleting his friends from his life, refocusing on football. Last year he has for over 1,100 yards rush. Seems like he's all the way back, kind of like that Nick Foles moment where he went out into the woods with his brother-in-law. They say they didn't 420. They just had a conversation with God or whatever, and decided not to retire comes back become super bowl mvp leonard fournette had the same type of situation happen he went out into the woods kind of refocused his life got some people out of there and last year had his best year to date i think he's going to be a hot running back on the market i don't know what his contract is it can't be too big and if the tampa bay buccaneers grab him i mean what a wild move i have no 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 clue or no certainty that he would end up with the bucks but i feel like he's going to get moved that's just the way the nfl is especially if you're going against the vision that the team is trying to pitch well don't you think it's safe to say right now the jack jacksonville jaguars are not going to give him a long-term extension yeah when his rookie deal is up so you know Time is up there. How how quickly would he could easily be a part of a draft night trade, night Whoa. hopefully night one while we're on the air doing this. Maybe do we have to add that into our mocks? I don't if know. I just say like, oh, they traded up. They gave him their second, third rounder, and Leonard Fournette to get into the top ten. Um, we got to get a bunch of points if we get that right. Okay, here we go. There was some give and take between uh, Ngakwe and Tony Khan, son of. Mr. Khan. Sean Khan. <laughs> Tony Khan, also president and founder of AEW, a wrestling organization. Yannick Ngakwe goes at Tony Khan, stop hiding, Mo. Uh, Tony Khan says, I'm not in hiding, sir. I'm in isolation getting ready for the draft. I've been pretty active on social media in isolation, but you wouldn't know that since you unfollowed me. Oh. Then uh, Ngakwe says, since you're feeling might today, let's both let the world in on the truth. We've been had a discussion that the Chargers game was my last game, yet you try to backdoor the situation without answering any of my camp's calls. Shake my head. You spoiled, bruh. Holding up people for no reason, bruh. So Ngakwe wants out. Leonard Fournette's on his way out. Gardner Minshew's leading the charge down there. Joe Schobert's in. Jay Gruden's in. People think Andy Dalton's potentially coming in. The Jacksonville Jaguars are just completely fracking at the seams down there. And this is quite an interesting little turnabout for the AFC South. I love that. I mean, that's what media does a lot now because players have so much power with that social media. Narrative. That we get to report on their Twitter, what, what happens on Twitter and Instagram, and he's going back and forth with the owner's son 
on Twitter. So, I mean, it's a great time. I think it's a fun time to be a, a fan of professional sports, especially when guys don't care at all about what they put out there. Like, they're not scared to put stuff out for us to, to consume. It's awesome. Hey, you spoiled, bruh. Think awesome. about typing up that tweet. If you're to the Gotham, owner of the team. To the owner. <laughs> <laughs> all right. If we're going to do this for real, let's do it. You spoiled, bruh, with a clown emoji, the whole thing. Ah, I'm a massive fan of that. Leonard Fournette's right behind him. I assume he's going to get. I assume Leonard Fournette's going to go to work on social media sometime soon to get himself out of Duval. But it seems like that's a place that is in complete turnaround, rebuilding Jerry Krause land. What well, Leonard Fournette? I I would assume right now, and I'm sure he, he enjoys Jacksonville and and what they've done for him. But if he's sitting there like, hey man, I may be able to join Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Bucks next year. He's doing whatever he can to get out of there to try to get traded to Tampa Bay. I can't wait to see the tweets he sends to Tony Khan. <laughs> Please. AEW stupid at Tony Khan. <laughs> get me out of here. I hate this. Have you seen Is that show? Jericho? AEW? Yeah, it's actually pretty entertaining to be honest. Cody Rhodes is there as well. But the um have you seen Shad Khan's yacht? Yeah, I have. Yeah, I watched a little YouTube thing of him when he's doing yoga on his yacht, oh, having yeah. parties. Yeah, doing the whole thing, the whole spiritual thing. Please take your shoes off before coming into my yoga room. His yacht's like 100 yards long or something like that. It is insane. From selling bumpers. <laughs> Fucking genius. It's amazing. Uh, these cars maybe we could, you, you think after all this, Pat, some of these guys may be over leveraged. Maybe me and you can go in on a, one of these monster yachts and take one down. I would like to see, you know, some of these big venture capitalists who uh, greedy corporate fat cats who could potentially end up going down from this whole thing. Maybe we get uh, maybe we get a yacht on layaway or clearance or something like that. Ooh. I would be completely down with a yacht on layaway, but we have to have a helipad because oh, I'm not. Man. How am I getting there if we don't have a helipad? Great point. I thought maybe we could find one. I don't know how big the, the canal or river is in Indy. You can't put anything there, can you? What do you mean? Well, you can put some things in there. allegedly. <laughs> My shirt's still missing, by the way. Did you? Are you? Is that, are, are you a guy that, What's that would tend to get excited and take your shirt off in public venues? <laughs> I mean, it depends. It depends on which year you caught me. There was a time there. There was a time there. You, when you were feeling pretty good about your physique, I would imagine it would have to be one of those times. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, there was there was times. There was times. I mean. Like also, you mentioned in that Fox clip, hopefully it's the skinny me and not the bigger me the that would happen in the offseason. It just depends on the mode, too. You know, if I feel like the club is potentially slowing down, I know a quick way to speed it back up, by the way. It's a shirtless white man on a table. You're a hype man. Just like that. Everything comes back. Yeah, but those days are long gone now. Long gone. Long gone. Not after you get super jacked again. I bet they'll come right back. Nah, I don't do those. I don't do the clubbing anymore. I don't do the clubbing anymore. Not at all? Nah, it's not my thing. I'd rather go to a... I've always been a bar guy. I've always been a bar Isn't guy. everybody that way? No. I, don't, I think there's some people that absolutely crave the... And you can't hear each other and just yelling. You lose your voice. And you can't hear... Like, you need them to turn it down. Huh? <laughs> there's people that love that. Turn it out. There's You're people right. that... I, I guess you can't knock them. People that are good dancers, maybe they like that. Well, I'm a good dancer, too. It's not crazy, but I, I just... I would rather be at a bar 
with a limited amount of people so we can all experience this night together. You know what I mean? At a club, you got too much going on. But at a bar, you know, you could set the tone for each other. You're really one man's, one man's success is an entire bar's success. Somebody gets loose on that dartboard, the whole place can go crazy. You can really get some flip cup even going in public. I mean, that's where I really, really thrive. But quick, place, quick way to turn a club upside down is take your shirt off and start dancing on the table. Well, yeah, most clubs have, and bars now have dress codes. So I'd imagine you get your shirt off. Yeah, they may like that you're bringing a bunch of juice to the place, maybe help helping fuel alcohol sales, mainly because you're the ones buying, you're the guy buying shots for the whole bar. Bingo. So maybe they would turn a, turn a blind eye to you with your shirt off. Out they there. have, and they did. But in Arkansas, can't get in with this, bub. Cannot get into a bar in Arkansas with this on right here. The week before, I was in Manhattan, got in, wearing a bandana on my head and a sleeveless. Arkansas wouldn't let me in because the Hells Angels come through there with their sleeves off and they kill people. Oh, they were worried you were a Hells Angel? Yep, exactly. Thank you. That's what Here's I thought. You do have a Harley. I do have a couple of them, by the way. Oh, you got a couple Harleys? Yeah. It's my favorite hobby. Motorcycle riding? Yeah. Really is Good for you. you put, I saw you in Indy on your motorcycle. You put the phone away. You know, you literally can't talk to anybody. You literally can't. Music is glaring. My lady's on the back of my steel pony. You know what I mean? We're just out there cruising. <laughs> I don't know why that was funny. Um, all right, here we go. Uh, Has Schefter tweeted anything else? No, Ngakwe and Tony, Kano, uh, Tony Khan <laughs> are going back and forth. Uh, Ngakwe tweeted, tired of this back and forth at Jaguars. Let's get this shit done. And then uh, Tony Khan tweets, uh, Ngakwe then follows up with, just trade me. I don't need this speech. Tony Khan responds with, show me the compensation. I'm sure you're really driving up that price today, by the way. <laughs> so Tony Khan's like, we've been trying to trade you, pal. Nobody wants you, especially after your tweets from today. So if you would just shut the f*** up, maybe we could get you out of Jacksonville because I'm tired of it. That's what Tony Khan said. With a do you think Tony Khan's dad, Shad Khan, do you think he likes this? you think he likes him engaging with one of his stars on, on Twitter? Shad Khan, I don't think he loves it. I don't, I don't think Shad Khan, I don't think he enjoys it. I don't think that's really a thing that he loves. And by the way, uh, old son Khan there, Tony Khan, dropping a BTW, love that. Anytime you're in a uh, potential verbal joust or a Twitter dispute with somebody, a BTW or a TBH or really just one last, just a little slap in the mouth. Just uh, BTW. See, I thought he, I thought at the end there, instead TBH. of BTW, you should have put bruh. Oh, yeah, bruh. He should have You're to answer going back his on, former bruh. Going back on what he called, almost like mocking him. Yeah, he did say B-R-A, though. Was that supposed to be spoiled brat bra. without the T? Because it then became you spoiled bruh. Because now we got two different fights. And oh, then, I didn't see that. Okay, I didn't, I didn't see the tweet on my screen, so I don't know. Well, I thought he called him bruh, B-R-U-H. No, he said B-R-A dot, 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 dot. So I'm wondering if maybe the T didn't get, because maybe he said spoiled brat. And by, Tony Khan, I would assume throughout his life, has been called a spoiled brat before, just strictly because your dad created bumpers and your dad owns like seven teams. I would assume that he's been called that before. That might have really got him where he didn't want to be. That's why he came back with that. You're really driving up the price today, B-T-dub. Smacking him off. I'm reading the tweet now. Okay. You spoiled, bro. I think he's calling him bro, like bro. Yeah. He's calling him a boob. But he did leave the Y off of Mighty, we assume. 
since you're feeling might today. So it could have been a typo. Since you're feeling mighty. T- and by the way, that's wrong. You're, I mean. Isn't this amazing how we're like breaking down tweets when we're thinking there's like all these, this hidden language inside and all this when it's, it's usually probably the guy's taking a dump and he forgot to <laughs> type the next letter. It's potentially what it is, but it's also, I mean, we haven't had sports for 39 days or something <laughs> like that. This is anytime a billionaire's son, a team owner, is in a Twitter beef with a player who wants the hell out of there, that is the news that we need to talk about. Is this going to be used uh, whenever everything gets back to to people playing organized sports? <clears throat> will they? Will this be used when they bring those PR people in and they say, like, oh, this is... These are some examples of what not to do in the media, and they always show you guys freaking out on reporters. Are they going to pop these tweets up? I, I don't know. Those people are always so wrong, too. So wrong. Frank Luntz, I respect him. He's probably made a lot of money. I learned about him whenever I was in college. A man who runs the focus group game, basically. He came in and spoke to our team. He, uh, he was basically telling us what we were allowed to tweet about, what we weren't allowed to tweet about, if we were trying to run for fucking president. Okay, so I had to break it down. By this point, I had already established a social media career. I had already sold merch, stand-up comedy tickets, an entire thing off of my social media. Probably made more money off my social media than Frank Luntz has made off of his social media. So this guy's coming in talking to our team about how we should run our social media. And I had some questions early. You know, I had some questions early. I asked just a couple of things. Everybody in the room knew what I was doing. I mean, Vinatieri was getting very excited. Vinatieri was like, here we go. Like, this guy has no idea what's about to come at him. And then Chuck gave me the old, hey, take it easy. Wait, what were you asking, Frank? I was just asking Frank, like, who should send out things that that don't feel anything towards anybody. Like basically he was like, if you send out a tweet and it might generate an emotion from somebody, that is a tweet that you should obviously reconsider, ask your friends about, and then think about sending or something like that. I'm like, well, isn't that what I had like 50 questions for his first three sentences, by the way, it was one of those, like everything he was saying, I was against like every single, and I had an entire business running and I was like an OG on the team at the time. And everybody knew that I had a business running basically. So everybody in there, if I don't say anything, what am I, what am I? I'm a little, I'm a little bitch. And that is just not something that I will ever be considered. So I had to at least show face and ask a couple questions. And Vinatieri, I, I've never seen him so excited. He was like, here we go. Like Vinny was, <laughs> Vinny was jacked up about it. And Chuck was like, come on, now's not the time. I mean, I ended up, meeting, I ended up meeting the guy. He was very nice. Frank Lentz is very, very nice. But everything he was saying to NFL athletes was acting as if we were running for president. It's like nobody in here is going to run for well, president. Well, hasn't all that changed now? <laughs> I, I mean, he just put out a video. <laughs> Did you see the video Trump put out today? No. Oh, oh, oh my God. Oh, my God. Can we play it, please? He's just me. He, right now, he is in the most savage form of I've ever seen a human in my life. I've been in the lab grinding over my mock draft that I got to turn in tomorrow, <laughs> so I haven't seen anything. I got to turn in tomorrow. Did you hear that? <laughs> hey, brah. Okay. I don't need to hear that. You're what, spoiled, bro. When do you want to have that done? Do you want to have it done by Thursday then? Do you, tomorrow's too soon? No, I'll have it done tomorrow. You're just stealing other people's work. You could probably have it done tonight if you really needed to. No, huh? I can't because it's not nearly as easy to copy, copy and paste mock drafts as you would think. There's too many graphics and ads on each each damn piece <laughs> oh, like, website I open up. <laughs> Who are you stealing from, just so I know? Everybody. <laughs> uh, you're, you're just going to put a consensus together of everybody's thoughts? Yeah, just so you can't point to one guy's mock draft and be like, oh, we found it. This is it. Jesus. No, I'm getting, no, I, I have my own thoughts. I've done some shows on series of pre-draft stuff, but it's been more positional. I just got to do a broad overview now of the whole first round. This guy. 
Do you not take anything serious? I mean, we're, we have you, a... Don't ever ask me that. <laughs> we have an NFL draft primetime super special where people are depending upon us for information. And there's going to be what? 13 to 14 guys drafted that we've never heard of. We have never heard of. And that don't could, say we. I have heard of them. Well, that's because you saw other people write about them. Okay. Continue your, your long speech. I'm done. The speech is over. Yeah. I do take it serious. Why do you think I'm going to? I, I don't, I'm not trying to get an extension on the time. You told me at 12.15 on a FaceTime call uh -huh. today, uh -huh. hey, let's do mock drafts. Okay, cool. When should they be ready? Yeah, tomorrow before the show. Okay. I got less than 24 hours. I got it. All right. I'm happy for you. That's A.J. Hawk, by the way. That, that's what I, a little Mike Hawk, whenever he hears about what his dad did, he's going to be proud of him. <laughs> okay. By the way, Mike Hawk's getting a lot of love in the comment section right now. People are wondering, where's he at? Where's Mike Hawk at? <laughs> yeah, that'd be a bold, it'd be a bold statement to, to name, if I had a son, name him Mike. <laughs> <laughs> AJ, who was the best offensive lineman you ever played? Oh, man. What a good question. I see I dealt with a lot of centers and guards, tackles, not as much. I mean, you know who in Detroit, Foxy, Rayola, for a oh, long yeah. time was there. Rayola was a he was a line, nasty, man. scrappy dude, and I I yeah. respected him, man. I loved going head to head with him. Did he? Because you did that Cobra, right? He did that. He, he was trying to Cobra you before you Cobra'd him. <laughs> well, so you guys had to who's because he was, wasn't big, he wasn't huge, but he was fast. Little little centers were always so difficult to deal with. Like Scott Wells played center in Green Bay when we won the Super Bowl. Scotty was a high school like, state champ wrestler, so he's super strong, but he's only five eleven probably. I'm sure he'd be upset if he heard that, but he probably thinks he's six foot. But this dude was <laughs> cock strong and super fast. He'd be on the second level before you know it, and he knows how to use his leverage. Who like Jason Kelsey, right? He was kind of an undersized Stuff. center that could move, though, right? All those centers that are like, classified undersized that can move, those are the toughest ones to deal with. But, yeah, they may not be the best at if you put a, a nose head up on them or something, but getting to the second level – Man, like those guys are nasty. They all are. Centers are normally the ones getting to the second level, or is that guard? They want to. They, they may, you know, block down on a, to start a little double, and then they got to get up to the second level and, and try to set a screen or get get to the the next level, whether it be a linebacker or a safety in the box. Yeah, and those dudes are just so fast getting up there. They're like, man, the ball snapped, and this dude's already in my face. Like, what am I gonna do? What is it? Hands. Everything's hands with defenders, right? Yeah, and them too, though. Don't let them get their hands on you. Especially if they're the long arm guys, like the big, like Mangold. Like we've had Nick. Nick is not an undersized center. He's a, a big, tall dude with really long arms and great leverage. If Nick's hands are on you, like you're like a little kid trying to punch at him. I can't reach him. Oh, so the, the entire game is everybody's trying to get the chest, right? That's what everybody's trying to get inside. To. You want your hands inside. Yeah. His, he definitely wants his hands inside of you. So if he has long arms, isn't this the easiest way to get you? Is that how they. Yeah. And so that's why you got to make sure you're, the, if you're a smaller guy like me, I'm the aggressor. I see him coming at me. I may even fake a little bit like I don't see him, and then all of a sudden, bam, head to cobra strike his head, it chop his arms, and you could keep keep it moving. Gotcha, bitch. You should be a coach. Gotcha, bitch. You should nah, be a coach. shouldn't be a coach. It's not as easy as – it's It's a lot easier said than done. Well, that's not what coaching is. Yeah. That's coaching. You just coach me. I feel I, like if Nick Mangold was running at me, I know yeah. exactly what I'd do. I'd give him a little look away, like, oh, I don't see you, I don't see you. Cobra to the face, swift the arms, touchdown. 74 barbecue was good, but not you. <laughs> well, hopefully not a touchdown. 
If I'm on defense, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, I scoop the no, score. The other way. Yeah, 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 yeah scoop the yeah. score. Oh, my bad. Yeah, yeah, scoop the score. Good coaching scoop there, though. score, though. Great coaching. Great coaching. Situations. Um, AQ Shipley. Did you ever play against him? Yeah. Another cock-strong dude. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a, great way, that's a great way to describe him. Like um, a dude that could just... You you figure like oh this dude grew up bailing hay for fourteen hours a day <laughs> until he was eighteen and went to college, <laughs> and a lot of them like never even grew up anywhere near a farm. AQ's got that barbed wire tattoo though on his arm though. You probably did think he was potentially out there bailing hay. Oh, I dodged a bullet. I thought about that barbed wire my whole high school career <laughs> every day. I gotta do it. <laughs> Every, got it. it felt like your generation, everybody had them. That was my generation. And I remember seeing, when I was like a freshman, I'd see some seniors. One dude had like the rope tattooed and it tied underneath like the oh. rope. Oh, 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 man, I might have to get the rope. I don't know. The rope <laughs> the barbed wire? I can't figure this out. Uh, the barbed wire gang is a strong one. I mean, your generation, they all had them. They and all you can't, I, you can't, and the best is when guys wouldn't, complete it it would stop you know because it hurts underneath your arm and they'd say oh well no the, no, the no, design doesn't why. go that's all the way around the design doesn't connect so that's just why. how it was why wouldn't they connect it's, it's bad luck if you close it because then your spirit or soul can't Traps get out your soul oh that's real everyone knows that's that. Cool. <laughs> i mean just get your story straight aj <laughs> oh, that's after real. you got it make sure you charge your crystals at night then <laughs> <laughs> well you, you don't believe in good luck i believe in good luck you create your own good luck yeah what about dream catchers yeah, they look cool in a car, I guess. <laughs> so you're telling me that tight end on the Browns and Hard Knocks was full of shit with his crystals? Yeah, what about his rocks? Kajuice. 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 Kajuice, yeah. Him and his dad, by the way, dad. they were all in. They were all in on those rocks. They're pounding the whistle. You know, I, I may have <laughs> my views on crystals do not carry over to him. If, if Kajus wants to use him and him, he and his dad have such a tight relationship and I enjoy watching him, he's okay using I don't mind him doing it. I heard that son of a bitch. He's <laughs> a nosebleeds again. <laughs> whatever, whatever happened to him? Did he Cut. make the practice squad? See you later. Yeah. XFL. Oh. <laughs> Was he in the XFL? I don't know. I don't His know. dad had like 15 heart attacks, though. I think oh, the crystals are keeping him alive. <laughs> true. Ty always brings the good news. Uh, yeah, he's not. Uh, he's not anywhere. Pat, hey, were you we surprised? We saw him play football. <laughs> we, I know we didn't really touch good on guy. You good did, guy. You probably did in your other show. Did we? Um, were you surprised the XFL shut down? I talked about this on uh, on the other. Why show. was it a story? I I figured like, well, yeah, of course it had to. It's because they they filed for bankruptcy, so I would assume that no, everybody thought they were going to shut down or whatever. Maybe ask people to take pay cut, but filing for bankruptcy is basically saying like, yeah, we're done with this thing. And then whenever you see the creditors and how they owed over a million dollars to different people, and you you saw how much money those coaches were being uh, being paid as opposed to how much the players were making, which is interesting. Even though I do think the coaches were a very important thing, I think. It bank going into bankruptcy is why everybody started burying it and why it became story because they didn't know if they were going to continue next year. But as soon as it files for bankruptcy, then the narrative gets spun like, oh, this wasn't a successful company. And I think 
The issue that I have with how the narrative will be spun about the XFL is that it failed twice, and the second time was actually shorter than the first time. But I think this was actually a league that had a chance to sustain and a chance to actually make it. I think the production value was good. I think the players were good enough to kind of – Uh, wet the palate of uh, fans whenever there was an NFL football. I think the money behind it was good, and I think the narrative will be that it failed because that's what Vince McMahon's XFL does, when I think the narrative should be, like, I think it was off to a good start. It just got a hell of an elbow drop from a worldwide pandemic named COVID-19. Well, yeah, how would you expect Vince McMahon to pay all of that? How many games did they get in? Four? Five, six. Five or six. So it's a startup league. You're trying to build – you're trying to rebuild what you had in what 2000 whatever it was how in the world would you ever expect them to make it through this time and then say all right well they're not going to have a season we're going to play five games still going to pay everybody all this money but we don't have the money coming in i i figured like yeah i'm surprised they didn't file bankruptcy earlier than they did yeah i don't but i just think because vince mcmahon is at the head of it you gotta remember vince mcmahon has created his own persona his own every the, the thought of vince mcmahon is his WWE heel character, which is, I'm richer than you, I'm smarter than you, you're small, I'm big, you're dumb, I'm smart. That's Vince McMahon, right? I mean, that's the Vince McMahon WWE personality. I've never met him long enough off of television to tell you exactly what he's like off the air, but on air to the millions and millions of people that watch WWE, that is the persona. So whenever one of his companies files bankruptcy, everybody's like, well, you're supposed to be this big, smart, rich guy. How is your company? Yeah, I'm a big, smart, rich guy because I don't just keep dumping money into a league that isn't going to finish the season. Bingo. I completely agree. But that's how the narrative gets spun, though. Whenever they see this guy who has forever told us that he's rich, forever told us that he's smarter than you. Whenever one of his companies go under and then he files for bankruptcy and doesn't have to pay people, then everybody and their mom's like, well, you're not that big and not that rich anyways. Whenever in my eyes, I think what Vince McMahon did by allegating the um, responsibilities of the league to Oliver Luck, basically having Oliver Luck take it over, I think it was very smart. And I thought the XFL was going to succeed. But just like the layoffs at the WWE and the people that are getting furloughed at the WWE, whenever the head person of the company is Vince McMahon and his entire heel persona on television for so long has been, I'm this, I'm this, I'm this, and then these moves directly go against that, that's whenever the narrative gets spun in a negative light towards the XFL and towards anything Vince McMahon does. Not saying it's right, but I'm just saying that's how, if you listen to the internet and read the internet's reaction to these things, that's exactly how they're taking it. Well, it, it, let's say it's 10 years from now, though, and, and there's people that don't really – the coronavirus situation is in the past, and there, there's a lot of people that maybe didn't come up with it and didn't know, don't know a whole lot about it. I would think for Vince McMahon, you could say, well, hey, like we were off to a good start. We had TV deals. We had all this stuff going, and then worldwide pandemic came. Like what do you expect? That's why it didn't succeed. Like I think he could lean back on that if he ever was worried. Yeah, but you got to remember the first XFL failed. Nobody knew that it wasn't supposed to be for TV. It was supposed to be just a live event thing. And then it became a television thing because Emersol lost the NFL or something on NBC. So like a month or two before the season was supposed to kick off, he goes to Vince McMahon. He says, well, we need this on television. Then all of a sudden this thing that was supposed to be just an live event in-person show with the cheerleaders and the fireworks and the Vince McMahon cutting promos and the rock cutting 
cutting promos and all this stuff, all of a sudden gets thrusted into primetime television because NBC needs something, and everybody's like, I don't want this. Ratings cra- uh, collapse. XFL is done for. When it wasn't supposed to be a television thing to begin with, it was supposed to be just a live event thing. Now, this time, they're off and running. They think they have success. And then whammy, a worldwide pandemic. I wonder if Vince McMahon just goes, fuck it, it's supposed to fail. And then just kind of moves on with it. Because it's a worldwide pandemic. And then a situation that cost NBC or CBS, one of the other, whoever episodes with, I think it's NBC. One of those two things took it down. I think Vince McMahon probably feels like we could have done it if we had to. We could have continued to do this if we had to. That is success. Because a lot of people said that's one of his only major business fails was the first XFL. And I assume he wanted to get that rectified. Yeah, I guess you would think at, at this point, like, who cares if you're Vince McMahon? But it, what, that's what makes Vince Vince. So he, he built the WWE because he he's not scared to, to go out on a limb and take chances. That's why a lot of these guys are billionaires. They took chances at some point in their lives, in their careers. So I just think it's I don't know. Like, I, it's 100 percent like if, if it wasn't for the coronavirus, obviously the XFL would finish this season out. I don't know if it was sustainable past this year. Maybe they could have done. I just don't know how long people would continue to tune in. But. They're getting millions of people watching, which is good. I think it would have been sustainable. I don't think it would have maintained that million, but if you get 500, 600,000 viewers, you can still sell that to companies. You can yeah, still- we got to watch it. We talk about it. There's shows all the time that love to pub their ratings and they get 250K. Exactly. They're still be able to sell it, still able to sell merch and things like that. I think the XFL would have succeeded. I think Oliver Luck did well with that whole thing. It just got hit by a pandemic. Speaking of things that might not succeed, let's talk about the NFL draft again. <laughs> Diana Rossini just tweeted, I'm texting with multiple coaches and GMs who are on this mock draft call and everybody is saying the same thing, which is bandwidth is a problem. There are many communication issues. It is Monday, 420. This draft is in three days from now. This isn't something where you can just pump in more bandwidth into 32 general (laughs) managers' houses. This is something that is going to be an issue for them on Thursday, maybe even more so with the amount of activity that will be on the internet at prime time time draft time as opposed to two o'clock or one o'clock on a monday 420 this has all the makings to be a clusterfuck and i can't wait for it this is going to be awesome the nfl will deal with it the draft picks will get chosen but there is going to be must-see television on thursday and i'm so thankful we're doing a primetime draft super special alongside of it oh i i'm very excited i think it, this all adds to the buildup of what our show is going to be like Thursday night, what the NFL draft will be like. But also, I think they may be throwing us off the scent a little bit here. I've mentioned before, Pat, it's all about managing expectations. If they know, I mean, I'm not, I don't want want to give Roger Goodell this much credit. Well, you are right now. Maybe indirectly, they may be saying with all of this mock draft going so poorly, they know it's going to leak out. Everything leaks. They're driving down people's expectations. So we're all going to tune in to see, oh, this is going to be a disaster. It's going to be a nightmare. I can't wait to see it. So then all of a sudden it goes off, and there may be a few glitches here and there. But it gets done. Everyone's like, oh, man, I'm kind of disappointed. And there was no just colossal fails or anything. Everyone seemed to to be okay, and everyone got drafted. That's so smart. That's so, so smart. Thank you. No, well, Roger Goodell is doing it, not you, but you are pointing Uh, out. Roger, I don't think he is doing that on purpose. I think maybe this could be a byproduct of – the disaster that is the mock draft on Monday before the Thursday draft. Because you, you bandwidth, sh- okay. So bandwidth uh, for the TV viewing audit for the what they're going to put on screen. I guess that's bandwidth matters. But as far as communication between the teams and the coaches. They can do that on those three landlines. John Lynch had. They don't need bandwidth. So the three landlines, I believe, 
One is going directly to Kamish, I would assume. The other one is directly dialed into the other 31 GMs. And then that third one, I have no idea where that's going. Well, well I was because one of the tweets from her was about the GMs and how they're all in one line and it's hard to hear because everyone's trying to talk. And blah, blah. Why do you need to be on a conference call with all 32 other GMs? Like, why do you have to talk to all 32 or all 32 GMs need to be on a conference call? I think it's just because last case scenario, if you have to get a uh, hold of somebody, you hit in it, right? Like, I think. Yeah, I redundancy. Think, like, they want to have multiple backups for their backup. Yeah, like, if you want to trade. Like, I think you have to say to somebody like, uh, uh, hey, Belichick, meet me in a Zoom or whatever. You know what I mean? And then you're out of there and then you're straight, straight into the Zoom. Yeah. Meet me in the Zoom. Because, oh, my God. Because imagine if you're, if you're the Dolphins and you hear somebody reach out to Bob Quinn and Matt Patricia or whatever, and you're the Dolphins sitting at five and you're like, oh, I would like in that fucking Zoom. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's going to be interesting about who's muting what. That's going to be the big thing. If somebody leaves something unmuted yep. and information comes out. But I guess there's supposed to be a couple Zooms or Microsoft Teams where the scouts will be for the GM, where the coaches will be for the GM, and then there's a direct line to the other GMs, then one direct line to commish. That's a lot of internet, by the way, for one house. I mean, look at us right now. We have like a thousand up, thousand down or something like that, our internet? No. Yeah, but uh, with the firewall we have, it's only letting us use 250 of it. Whatever the case is. 250 up, 250 down. We're supposed to have a thousand. We're paying for a thousand. We only get two. We should fix that. <laughs> yep, I've tried. That seems like we're getting hustled. But anyways, 250 up, 250 down. That is good internet. We have good internet, right? And even ours goes poof sometimes and we have a wire what is it not uh hard wire fiber. yeah copper no fiber. Fiber. Oh, fiber. we have fiber wire that goes right into this office right into a computer oh, yeah. and even sometimes ours goes Phew. now you're talking about these gms who what their grandkids use wi-fi every once in a while they're getting little boosters in there they might be up near what a hundred if, if, if they're if they're at if that, a lot it, of them don't even have a hundred download speed of it well i would assume that they're trying their best to boost it but there's not enough time for them to get enough quality there is going to be a show it's going to be awesome yeah this is like literally what i used to do for a living supporting doctors with telehealth and a lot of times they'd want to do it from their house so they could see patients from their house and we would always recommend against it because like when they're in the office it's a controlled environment right it, the corporate IT people put the equipment in the office. We know what it is. We know how it works. But when you go home, there's so many different variables. Like you said, kids could be playing on iPads, people streaming things, what and your little rinky-dink like Linksys router that can only handle so much. And what if you got a neighbor's going to pound town on himself and all yeah. of a sudden stealing from your Wi-Fi? You got no idea. Can't even draft a Isaiah Timmons because because old neighbor next door is going to town on himself. You know, like what I have, uh, where I'm at here, I'm like an, an attic in my house. And I do serious shows from here, so I have like this Comrex unit. I had to get, I got a separate like business modem just for this room, separate from my whole house. Because when I first started doing shows there, if my kids would put, turn on Apple TV or YouTube and be streaming it, sometimes my connection through Sirius would, would glitch and, and be slow. So I, that's just one one thing. I'm not trying to communicate with 13 different Zoom calls and who knows what your kids are doing in other rooms. Like it's just. I'm sure they're trying all they can, but man, they didn't. I don't know. It's going to be great. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome. Just like this show is. What happened with the Bengals, though? That, did Schefter say, like, if there's a, a problem with the first, how big of a problem was it? Well, I, and I wonder if the other teams were like, yeah, it's the Bengals, though. You know what I mean? Like, I wonder yeah. if there was like a, we would like to take. And everybody's like, ah, that's the Bengals. <laughs> just, can we get the Bengals pre recorded, maybe? Just text it. Text your pick in. Yeah. Just, might happen facts you know the zoom room you know so you use zoom with your teammates i know you haven't used it much it, on zoom you can 
there's like a chat section. So you could type messages to the whole group, to everyone, or you can pick individuals privately. And when I've been on Zoom, I always like to send private messages to certain people I know. Really? And then every time after I send them, I'm like, oh, no. Was that public? Was that everybody? Oh, oh man. And you got to be worried about that. That could happen, too. Okay, Belichick. Me, call me on the other line. Like if you think it's a private message, and then other teams are like, "Oh, they're trying to get in that already, spot." Oh, we got to jump up. So they're hopefully they throw people off the scent like that. I already see the video being made by the internet of the Zoom chat of oh. yeah mistakes coming in. Bill Belichick to Bill O'Brien. Hey, uh, meet me on my face or something like that. You know, he'll do the entire. I already see it happening. The internet always does it. Belichick, I bet, won't even take part in the zooms i bet he is all landline the whole time no everybody's saying they're moving what do you mean everybody's saying they're everybody's thinking that the patriots are potentially moving that they're gonna i don't know why i don't know why there was a buzz about the patriots this year but there's a buzz amongst people who probably have no idea but the patriots are gonna try to make a move i wonder what they want what do they want to get ball tosser a lefty one from alabama they're gonna get all the way up well, How far him. do they have to get? Especially if the Niners are looking to trade out. You might have to go to three. Everybody's saying Air Bear's going to go there. Man, I would be I would be surprised if Herbert went there. To Detroit or to Miami at three? Either team at three. I would be surprised. You think Miami trade? See, now this is what you and I are going to have to figure out. You think Miami's going to trade all three of their picks or only two of their first round picks to move up? I, I mean, as least as possible to get up. What if they trade all three to get up to one, by the way? Ooh, now that would be a great twist. And by the way, I would like 30 points if I project that onto my draft and it happens. I would like Man, that. people will burn the city of Cincinnati down if it happens. Yeah, but they get three first-round picks out of that. I mean, that is – and Andy Dalton slinging the rock in the backyard. He's 30 years old. You get three – and I – by the way, I mocked Cincinnati hard. I said if they end up trading out of this number one pick with the obvious face of their franchise, an Ohio kid who just did everything right for the next 10, 15 years, this guy could be the Bengals quarterback. He, he understands the grit and everything like that. If they mess that up, only the Bengals could do it. They're idiots. And then you start thinking about it, and they're like, okay, they got Andy Dalton. If you can get three first-round draft picks this year, you can do a lot of damage. Now, granted, it's 5, 13, and 26 or something, or 5, 15, and 26, whatever the Dolphins is. That is still a something you can really build your team around. When you already got Ross, you got A.J. Green, you got Joe Mixon, you got a defense, that could be a move that Cincinnati Bengals, who never trade anything, would potentially look at it and go, Eh, fuck it, I didn't really like the kid much anyways and do the trade anyways. I, I just It, de- it I depends know. how like in love they are with Joe Burrow. If they feel like, all right, we're going to give up on Joe Burrow, but we're going to get three first-rounders. If they have the fifth pick and the 13th or whatever, they could easily take one of the other quarterbacks that they may be almost equally as high on. I guess they said Joe Burrow is a clear number one. That's what the Miami Herald report. I'm 100% sure. I don't know. Yeah, it seems like it. There'll be more to unfold as the week goes on. Tomorrow we'll have a guest. I can't wait for them to join us. Who is it? Ah, I'm not sure. sure. I have no (laughs) idea. I have no idea. But I just assumed we could potentially maybe get one, so I always just like to leave it out there. (laughs) You know what I mean? I'm sure we can. Well, I went after YouTube whenever they shut us down last week and told them that uh, Roger Goodell was coming on the show. So, yeah. <laughs> yep. he potentially, maybe. I don't know. Potentially. So, do maybe. They, does YouTube give any like? Is there any kind of consolation prize or something for them? Just yes, chopping the channel. Yes, they have given us uh, stream protection basically. So, if one little fuckboy from the NASCAR community wants to come over here and come after us, uh, the YouTube says, eh, psh, "Nah, 
See, if like, one person can get a channel shut down, though, then there's something wrong with how What if how it's YouTube 20 works. people, though? What if it's 20 people, though? What if it is? Well, that's what I'm saying. What if Kyle Larson and his 15 friends who don't think he's racist somehow, <laughs> after I come in and say everything, come in here and just report, report, report? I think the YouTube algorithm theory goes like, okay, there must be something up. There's 15, 20 people saying something. They must have done something. <laughs> Bang, strike, see you later. I'm not saying Kyle Larson and his friends did that. I mean, he does say the N-word very, very easily, so I wouldn't put it past the scumbag, but I'm just saying that that's the type of thing that would get us struck. And now that I just said that again, NASCAR people are probably coming in trying to come after us again, but you can't, bitch, because YouTube <laughs> Gave us uh, stream protection. Firewall. Yeah. It's good to know. I didn't know they did that stream protection. I didn't know that was a, a service that YouTube would offer. By the way, it might be fake too. And Mike just said that to make us feel good. I'm not 100% sure. We might get taken down There's by There's a very it. good chance of that. Well, all right. You can still get taken down. I guess they, what they mean is they won't. Maybe they'll just look into it. If they get reports on our channel it's before just chopping the whole channel down, they'll look into it and say, all right, let's make sure before we do something. Yeah, I don't. By the way, I don't want people to automatically assume it was Kyle Larson and his friends. No, no. no. But yeah. it was just eerily. I mean, but it's not like bombarded. Are you tell me, Pat, you're the only person that's criticized Kyle, Kyle Larson and what he did. I don't know. I have no idea. I'm not sure. I don't watch other people's stuff. I think it's. I think it's pretty unanimous. People understand how wrong he was. Uh, I don't think it is. By the way, how I, casual he was was the scariest part. I. By the way, I got a lot of tweets. I got a lot of tweets from you. You know, your, your comparison to Kyle Larson using the N-word and finishing the race is he, like equivalent to Kobe Bryant tearing his Achilles and making his free throws afterwards. Like, it really does. It, it, it's perfect. It really adds up. I don't know how he did. Like, it's, it, that word came out, and he didn't even – there wasn't even like, a, oh, no. It was just like – like, I'm surprised he didn't almost double down. Like, that's how easy that thing came out of his mouth. That's what made it scary. If we don't make me. a big deal out of it, no one else Yeah, knows. nobody heard it. Nobody it gets it. Everybody knows Kyle. I mean, it's just Kyle. Dude, it's Kyle. Kyle being Kyle. Yeah, Kyle. Hey, hey, by the way, Kyle, everybody can hear you. <laughs> Yikes. All right, got to go. All right. <laughs> uh, speaking of got to go, this show's over. It's stupid. Look good, feel good. Feel good, play good. Play good, pay good. Pay good, live good. Live good, die good. Joining us now is a man who is an NFL quarterback. You can find him on ESPN. And he and Matt Hasselbeck are brothers, ladies and gentlemen. The smarter of the two, Tim Hasselbeck. Hey, the boy, Tim. You got that right. Definitely smarter <laughs> of the two. And um, I was also the only one that didn't wet their bed until they were teenagers. So I mean, we're good. Are we keeping track or not? Uh, you you two do look, I mean, it is insane. I never met you in person until the ESPN College football uh, seminar in Charlotte. And I was walking, trying to find my thing. You came over, said hello. You're very nice. And you're introducing yourself. And I was just looking at you and I was like, damn, you look so. And then Matt came and it was just like very, ear, mm -hmm. very eerie how similar you mm -hmm. two look. But very different brains, you two. Very different yeah. brains. Yeah, people are usually surprised. I'm just I'm a little bit taller, a little bit better shaped, and so <laughs> it usually throws my. It's like, hey, wait, that's like a that's like a a two point version of that. <laughs> that's, you know, that's what it is. Uh, you do great work on ESPN. <laughs> I enjoy it. I told the boys every once in a while you can come off as a savage, but you have the film study to back it up. I I I love watching you on TV right now. The big conversation around the quarterbacks 
is Tua's Wonderlick score being leaked this weekend. Now, granted, it was leaked that he got a 13, which is a terrible score. Anybody that's down near the teen, lower teens or even below 10, in my eyes, probably can't read that well, to be honest with you, because that means they couldn't get through the questions. This has always been my thought. But in your eyes, a 19, by the way, is much different than a 13. And, and I understand that the Wonderlick is not a direct indicator of success in the NFL. But what do you think the Wonderlick can tell you about a player? What do you think well, I, his score could tell you? Well, I do think that like if, if you have an outlying characteristic, so it doesn't matter what it is, if it's the Wonderlick, if it's a 40 time, if it's you know, uh, hand size, all the things that we're measuring right now, if there's something that's an outlier, at least it makes you go, well, wait a second, let's at least go check this out. Because most of the guys that have been good in the NFL have had a Wonderlick score of, you know, as you're saying, like, hey, closer to 19. So if you're really far from 19, let's just look into it. But I think when you watch to a play, and you're curious if, is he smart enough to like process information after the snap? I think it's pretty clear, regardless of what the Wonderlick score was saying, it's pretty clear that the guy sees things, processes well. And, and so I really wouldn't be concerned about it, seeing it, you know, kind of through that lens. Maybe it makes you take a pause and consider, but I, I think you see enough kind of good decision-making that you're all right with it. Hey, Tim, you've been around the NFL a long time. Your dad in the NFL, brother in the NFL, ESPN covering the NFL. Why would somebody leak the Tua got a 13? That must mean, in my eyes, that a team is very interested who's lower in the draft that is leaking this information in a hope in an attempt to hopefully bury him a little bit. Is that accurate? Yeah, yeah, I think you're exactly right. I mean, listen, you know that the information that ends up out there is you're usually a reason behind it and you know so look when you look at two i like i've heard mike panabom on espn this week talk about how he thinks it would be reckless yeah. to draft Tua in the top 10 and that's the way he says that and you're like wow wait a second that's a really strong statement and you know mike t's not running around with hot takes and so you think like well that's got to probably be something that is you know, maybe, you know, in circles around the league to guarantee somebody $35 million, which you would do in the top 10, when your doctors can't look at a guy, maybe he could drop. And so maybe there's some thought like, well, now if they think he's dumb and hurt, like maybe you could get him at 13 or 15 or, or somewhere. So, yeah, I, I think you're exactly right about this time of year and what people say. Um, you're good friends. Your family's good friends with Dilfer, Trent Dilfer. He is currently training Tua. Have you reached out to him and talked to him about the human Tua is, how he's throwing the ball? Because I remember when he stepped on the scene in Alabama, it was the first time in what feels like forever that Alabama had a quarterback who could do everything that any other quarterback could do. It, it, it's not that A.J. McCarron couldn't do it or or anybody else that was there. It was they were a run-first offense. Now when they put Tua, the ball, in his hand, he started slinging it. They became a completely different team with that stacked defense as well what has Trent Dilford told you about this entire process about Tua in his training in these last couple of months yeah I have talked to Trent I told Trent that he probably needs to do a little working out also because he's looking <laughs> a little you know like he either needs to go with like the all black hat like yes. I know you did yes. during the season yes you know just to, to slim down a little bit but I will tell you uh okay you know I, I think a lot of quarterbacks young quarterbacks and it's clear from high school to college and even now going into the pros would love to work with Trent, you know, and Trent's not just going to work with anybody. And so I think a couple of things, you know, Trent wouldn't take on training to a, if he didn't really, really believe in him 
just as a person, a competitor. He's known, you know, Tua and his family for a long time. And so, you know, I, I think that right there kind of speaks volumes to, you know, if you just consider all the people Trent has been around that would like to go to Trent for like pre-combine, pre-pro day training. And, uh, and Trent absolutely loves him, just, just, you know, loves him as a competitor, loves his talent, loves his ability. And um, I think most people feel that way about him. And you just go back. You talk about when he came onto the scene, Pat. Like, think about how crazy that was. Like, national championship game. We're going to throw you in there. And, like, the, you know, the touchdown pass that he throws in that critical moment and the difficulty of the throw for a true freshman. And then, you know, you go back earlier in the game. He throws a pick. He walks over the sideline and, like, throws his arm around Nick Saban. Like, hey, hey little buddy, it's going to be okay. <laughs> and he's like, wait a second. This is a true freshman. Uh, hot topic, Mike T. My or hot take, Mike T. Might be my new favorite thing. Are you a hot take guy? I, I don't think I'm a hot take guy. I, I usually, uh, I think I get portrayed as negative. You know, <laughs> so like, you know, they're there. So my nickname has become Negatim. You know, I like I just I just uh, I try to be you know uh, candid about how I see it. I guess. Do you think Joe Burrow is going to be a success uh, in the NFL? And what would be considered a success as a rookie quarterback if you're the Cincinnati Bengals? I know Peyton Manning talked to him. He said, hey, your rookie year is going to be tough. I threw 26 interceptions. The whole thing about learning and that, that inter- incredibly tough time. What do you think is considered a success for these first-round quarterbacks? Well, like, I, listen, I, I would say, like, was Carson Palmer a success? Like, yeah, I mean, I, like for since like they went to the playoffs. Like I think that's a success. Like was Drew Bledsoe a success? I they took a team to a Super Bowl. I think that's a success. I think sometimes we think because a guy gets drafted number one overall or in the top ten or something like that, if they, you know, don't end up with like multiple Super Bowl championships or something like that, then then like hey, that was a bad pick or that was a failure. And like I, I just I, I think if you are drafted, uh, you know, early first round and you are a decade-long starter, and you go to multiple Pro Bowls, like, the team got it right when they drafted you. I mean, I really think that that's, um, you know, that's probably how we should kind of, you know, decide if it's a success or not. So do I think he will be? Yeah, the guy is a very good player, but it's also important to be surrounded by good players, and that'll be key in Cincinnati or anywhere else. Hey, that wasn't very negative there, by the way. No, that was like no. one of the most positive responses. I've well, you, you, you know what I do? I, I love this time in you know draft time. Like every offensive tackle that people are are evaluating, they're like, you know, like he's Orlando Pace. He's he's Jonathan Ogden, and I'm like, wait, can we stop it? We're like, like who's the Jeff Backus? Like, look at Jeff Backus. <laughs> Like, was a 10-year starter for the Detroit Lions. Like, yeah, he's not going to wear a gold jacket, but, like, the Lions got it right when they drafted Jeff Backus. Like, starting at tech, like, like you know, Pat, who's who's Anthony Costanzo? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like who's that guy? Like, like, there can be those comps, too. Like, not everybody, you know, like, the comparison doesn't have to be to a guy that ends up as a Hall of Famer because – we know they're they're all not like like my comparison. Like I was being compared to Eric Zier. Like probably fair. Okay? <laughs> uh, do you think do you think Andrew Luck was a success? Um, you know the duration would probably you know tell you otherwise. But like yeah, I think so. Me too. You know, listen because it's like it was the right pick. You know, the team ended up being a, a, you know, really a perennial playoff team. And um, and you just don't know what's going to happen with the injury stuff. So, yeah, I, I think the team 
got it right. All right. Ryan Leaf. Maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, uh, I hope you come back on. Negative man, hilarious man, Tim Hasselbeck. Thank you, Tim. Good boy, Tim. Good officer, too, by Tim. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Great officer. By a few Tim. helmets back there. He looks exactly like Matt. I mean, oh, it yeah. is. When I, was image. when I was talking to him, it was hard to hear what he was saying because I was just watching his face, and I was like, this is Matt's face. <laughs> Very different face coming at me right now. And then Matt comes in, obviously. Big bundle of energy. Hey, how's everybody doing? And Matt, Tim's like, oh, this guy. <laughs> I can't thank you enough for listening. Please tell a friend if you enjoyed this that they should maybe listen to the show as well. We'll keep them going as long as we have to, okay? We're a tag team, you and I and us. We're a big old group. I guess we're more than a tag team because the boys too, obviously. And we're just trying to kick some ass through COVID-19 a quarantina until better days are ahead. And they are. Thank you for listening. Hashtag this is where I'm at, Pat. Take a picture of where you're listening so we can learn a little bit about each other. You might end up with some free merch from your friend, Uncle at Viva Lazita. Ty Schmidt, please play some independent music.